So, Sneak Disc Podcast supporters, listen up. You cop a pair of dope kicks every single week. We're positive you all grab the Seattle 10s, which I did, fam. I'm sure you guys even maybe did your, you know, the, the uh, they did the Air Force Ones that at the flea market. I'm sure some of you guys grabbed those. You know, there's a lot of releases that came out this week. Um, so, we know you need some new gear. Winter is here. Minimal.LA has everything you need to stay fly and keep warm. Minimal.LA has all the basics you need at ridiculously affordable prices. And use the code TSD10. You can save an additional 10% on your first order. It's impossible. Like, it's not, and this is factual. It's impossible to not have seen Minimal tagged on your IG feed because sneakerheads and hypebeasts, are always pairing their pieces with their latest sneaker releases and getting lots of love for them. You go to Minimal's page, you see a lot of people that you follow, just regular cats follow, taking pictures wearing the Minimal brand and their sneakers. And, you know, we talked about this last week. Yes, they sent a few things over to us. You know, we definitely want to be able to, you know, mean what we say when we talk about it. And I appreciate all the people who have sent me, like, screenshots. Yo, got you guys supported. Sent that, like, I I absolutely appreciate that. Like, that makes me very humble. But I also want people to know that, like, they sent me some stuff last week, and I bought some stuff myself this previous week. What I'm wearing right now, the camo joints, the camo, uh, I'm not exactly sure what they're called, but like the camo joints, the T-shirt I'm wearing, the minimal. I bought an overpack. I bought some shorts. I bought a few things from them with my own money. They didn't send it to me. That's how much I like the brand. Like, and I'm telling you, the prices are crazy. Like, I know people like these other companies out there, but let me tell you something. Super high quality is not easy to find at good prices. So when you buy some dope sneakers, you want to have the right pants to wear, super dope jackets. Let me tell you something. <coughs> so, like I said, from their signature denim jeans to their cargos, hoodies, outerwear, and accessories to pull it all together, it's fashion-forward, modern, basics at a great price. Go to minimal.la slash sneak disc to support our show minimal that's m n m l dot l a slash sneak disc to support our show minimal is able to provide high quality for a fraction of the price by cutting out the traditional retailer you know hey you're going straight to the consumer they don't send it to a shop they don't send it to any stores you get it directly from them cut out that middleman and get it for a lower price check out their new collection that just dropped and Sneak Disc listeners will receive 10% off using the code TSD10 at checkout. With over 350 products on their site, Minimal.LA has something for all of our listeners. Visit Minimal slash Sneak Disc and use the code TSD10 at checkout. Items sell out quickly. These are facts. Certain sizes, always gone quicker. Extra small, small, medium, large, they're gone quick. You got to get them joints ASAP. That's M-N-M-L dot L-A slash S-N-E-A-K-D-I-S. Code is T-S-D-10. Sneak this podcast, George, Greg, back in the building, episode 179, I believe, George, I think that's where we're at, 
Mike's not working, but I'm here. Oh, you here? We got you. <laughs> um, we appreciate everybody who listens to us on Apple, on iTunes, Spotify. We appreciate our YouTube viewership. We appreciate everybody who follows us on IG and Twitter. Uh, definitely, you know, doing big things. We appreciate everybody who's messaged us. We appreciate everybody who's using our promo code for some of our sponsors. Uh, that's been a big help. We've actually reached a really good milestone personally for ourselves on the podcast. You know, we, our downloads are fairly incredible right now. We're doing really good. And, you know, I definitely want to say thank you to all the listeners and everybody who supports us every single week. Uh, not to be that guy, but, you know, it's not easy coming to do a show as long as we have and doing 179 episodes. It ain't easy, especially talking about sneakers every single week. So we definitely appreciate everybody who stuck with us, everybody who's been with us since day one. And like I said, hopefully big more things to come. Looking forward to four years next year. So uh, I was just telling George the other day, me and George approved um, our first hat, you know, our first item of merchandise, I guess you want to believe. You know, a lot of listeners have been asking for it. So we finally got some done. I, I believe it's of high quality. You know, I've always said that I didn't want to put anything out to anybody that I wasn't comfortable with wearing, you know, just to make a little dollar. And anything that's spent on anything that we create, it goes straight into the podcast. You know, the podcast comes number one. And, you know, that, that's always a priority for myself. But today we got something special for you guys. We actually have um, something lined up. We have Dion Walcott. Uh, on the line with us he is vp of brand partnership with yellowbook.co yellowbrick.co i'm sorry <laughs> yeah no thanks for having me on the show i really appreciate you guys uh giving me an opportunity to share the message about sneaker school and uh just the different ways that people could get into the sneaker industry and you guys are giving a great example of that and uh super excited to get into this conversation oh you already know so one thing that we definitely do every single week is we we, we want to make sure that people get a good idea and a clear understanding of who we're talking to we've talked to a lot of people on our podcast and people that people have never heard of people aren't familiar with so you know if you don't mind giving a little background of what you've done i know you work with a lot of big companies and you focused right. on you know bringing the culture into the sneaker community and other brands and bringing in you know that influx of audience you know so if you can give a little background that'd be great yeah, no, for sure. I mean, I've been working inside of the sneaker industry in a couple different ones. I shouldn't even say a couple, various ways. Um, the way I got in was super untraditional. I'm actually a social worker by trade, um, and I did social work for about 10 years. And the way I really used to connect with a lot of young people was I used to wear different sneakers all the time. Um, and I used to use it as a tool, as an engagement tool to, like, connect with people so they could trust me. Um and after doing that for a long period of time, I took a group of students back to school sneaker shopping. And what was really cool about it, I'm originally from Toronto, um, they're from a priority neighborhood or a troubled neighborhood is what they call it in the U.S. And the only reason that they trusted me enough to go back across the border to go sneaker school shopping was because of the sneakers that I wore um, and the rapport that we built over time. And that was the first time I really understood how powerful sneakers were outside of just being a consumer good, that it actually could drive people to do more than they wanted to. Um, that was like, I want to say, 12 years ago now. And then what happened after that is I started to develop sneaker mentorship programs in inner city schools in Toronto, and I'd bring my collection of sneakers together, and they give me all the so-called troublemakers um, and I teach them life skills behind um, sneaker talk. So, like, stuff like, you really like those Jays. How do you plan on affording Jordans for the rest of your life? 
and then we eventually get further and further away of talking about sneakers and start talking about real, real life stuff. Um, I did that for a long period of time, and then I got an opportunity to put on the first ever sneaker exhibition in North America with a museum in Toronto called the Bata Shoe Museum. That was the first time I was opened up to like partnerships and programmings, working inside of an institution. Uh, and then I was, it really hit me where it was like, partnerships and programming is really just understanding the makeup of how young people think and how to get them engaged. Uh, and then I got really into like the business side of like, what are we marketing to like the consumers and how are we marketing it? So I left the social, the social work side of it alone and started focusing more on like, how could I develop cool partnerships, not for people to buy stuff, but for people to understand how to get into industry more. Um, so after I finished working with uh, the Bad Shoe Museum, then I started doing freelances with all the different brands and trying to lend my experience of how to engage with a new audience um, a number of different ways. And then I landed at Yellow Brick, where it was kind of like all the, a mashup of everything I've learned. They gave me opportunity to A, be close to the sneaker culture, but B, teach people different ways of just being a collector and a consumer and how do you get into the industry. So we started something called the, the Sneaker School. I think that's what we're trying to talk about tonight. Uh, you know, it's funny. The two points that you just made right now just kind of like hit personally with me. It's funny that you say how you used to wear every, a different pair of sneakers to like kind of, uh, you know, kind of get in good with, you know, the youth. And it's funny with, you know, what I do professionally outside of the podcast. Um, it's not a popular position, but when I go talk to high schools and schools, I always tell them right. I, I want to wear my Jordans. I want to wear my hoodie. I want to wear my jean jacket. I want to look because they can relate to that. They can see that this profession isn't just suit and tie and, and the usual looking face that you always see in this type of position. You saying that and also saying how you would get into the discussion with a student on how will you be able to pay for Jordans for the rest of your life? You like Jordans now. Let's talk about how you pay for it. I remember being in college and having to come to that decision over 500 pairs of sneakers. And I remember selling every single pair. And I said to myself, <laughs> and I remember I said to myself, you know what? I'm going to sell all these right now to take care of something important because if I take care of business and get a job and a career, I know I'm going to always love sneakers. I will be able to take buy myself sneakers for the rest of my life. And that's the main reason why I did it. Absolutely. Now, when I, I sold all Absolutely. the sneakers. I sold all the sneakers and went to Vegas and did dumb college kid stuff. But <laughs> I, I had the right intentions, you know, from there from that point. So, um mm -hmm. You know, so you you call yourself you you consider yourself a sneaker aficionado connoisseur. I, I guess you could call it a connoisseur. Okay. I mean, I feel like putting sneaker and then a title behind it or in front of it always gets you in trouble. So I really just love I just love the sneaker game and the industry and all the things that it does for people. Whether it's you know produ producing a um, a site or producing a set or designing the sneakers. I just love seeing how creative and how much it's growing. So I'm, I'm neither left or right of it. I just love the sneaker game altogether. Right. And so, you know, you and, uh, you know, we've been having, you know, email conversations, you know, obviously with Andrew, who is a part of, he's a part of Yellow Brick as well, correct? Right. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Andrew uh, is our brains in the sky that 
kind of helps us figure out finding people like yourself to share the message. So he had contacted me a long, long time ago, and then we didn't kind of talk for a period of time. You know, everyone gets busy like usual. But, you know, one thing I thought was awesome was how he mentioned in our conversation that he would love to offer a scholarship to our listeners. Um, right. So we can go ahead. So what would that entail and how can our you know, we want to make sure we want to be able to put that out there to our audience? Yeah, no, I mean, like, check out our site, sneakerschool.com. There's all kinds of uh, information on there. I mean, Andrew and myself will probably put something together that's dedicated just for you guys. Sounds but good. But if they wanted to just find out general information, sneakerschool.com is where they could drop it. And uh, we'll, we'll put something together for your guys' show specifically, but um, sneakerschool.com. So I want the audience to listen to that. We're going to make sure that we promote a scholarship to be a part of this. And... One thing I'm excited about this conversation is is that we see Sneaker School on our timeline on Instagram all the time. And I remember the very first right. I remember the very first time we saw it. So I'm gonna be completely honest with you. You know, one thing that me and George I <laughs> me and George are not the norm with our podcast. We say and express exactly how we feel on everything. I don't like to consider us like I consider us like sneaker analysts, like when it comes to like okay. social media, when it comes to sneakers, how they look. When it comes to just, you know, Nike, companies, Adidas, you know, a lot of things that happen in the culture, social media, so right. forth. So I'm going to tell you this. The very first time I saw Sneaker sneaker School on my timeline, I said to myself, what in the world is this? Okay. <laughs> and I said this because, as you know, you being a part of the culture for so long and you being in business um, as long as you have, right. there's a lot mm -hmm. of people that try to enter the culture in a different way and try to make money um in the culture whether they want to be a reseller now but they know nothing about sneakers whether they want to start selling supreme and clothing and, and want to like enter in a way and i said is this right. something that's a money grab because what are you going to get out of this i remember a lot of our listeners tagged us on it yo look at this what is this what is this now right, right. now i'm sure you uh, we we interviewed jay tips last week and he gave us some really good insight on the school so what? talk to us about the school and, and, Here's, and, and, and I appreciate you being so transparent, and I'll also be transparent. I also didn't just jump into Yellow Brick or, or Sneaker School being like, oh, my God, this shit is crazy. I need to jump on it. Right. Um, I started off as a consultant, and I was similar to you. I used to see the ads on Instagram, and I was like, Sneaker School? Who put this shit together? Complex, <laughs> FITI, sure. But, like, right. I don't really see how it benefits people. Um, then I actually traveled to one of their boot camps and I seen how engaged the students were that took the class online. And I was like, oh, wow, like they have real students who are in here over four days trying to get it in and learn as much as they can. And that's when the, the light bulb went off. And I was like, wow, like they really have something here because a lot of the people that were in those classes were just like normal people who just wanted to figure out like, outside of being a consumer, could I become a designer? Could I work in the marketing field? Like, how can I get into the game in a different way? Then that's when I got really passionate about it. And I was like, if there's so, such a large amount of people who are interested to get into the sneaker industry, um, what else could we do here? How else could we expand it? And even Jay Tips, like when we first met, I think we met at Sneaker Games. And he was just like, man, what is the sneaker school? We gave him a scholarship. And he knocked it out, like, in record time. And he was like, yo, this, that course was pretty legit. Like, I came out learning more that, than I did going in. So, I mean, 
to be totally honest, when you see it on Instagram, you're kind of like, man, this is just another ad or, you know, paid advertising. But when you take the time and you take the course, you learn a lot about, like, the different ways on how to get into the sneaker industry that are is really untraditional. Uh, and you're going to pick up, like, the lingo, and it'll, it'll help you. If, if you're thinking about getting into the sneaker industry, it's a perfect starter kit for you. That's the way that I, that I usually describe it. So how does the process begin, like, getting into it? Like, what do you... What is something that like you can actually gain and take from this and move forward? Like I know, so this is how I put it this way. So I have a friend out here, actually George and I have a mutual friend out here that we've known for a long time. His name is Don Fisher. And after he listened to our Jay Tips interview, he was like, yo, it's crazy you guys talked about sneaker school. I'm currently enrolled in it. And, okay. and he was like, man, you know what is crazy? Like I'm learning so much from it. Um, and coming from the culture that we do, when it comes to sneaker collectors and people, we are probably some of the most complaining people, <laughs> consumer of all time. We can never be happy, right. whether the, the leather right. is good, there's not enough quantity, how they were released, you know, who makes it, you know, quality control. It doesn't matter what it is. Do you feel that sneaker collectors, sneaker heads you know, just lack the knowledge and understanding of how the process works to get the sneaker from here to us? I wouldn't say they lack the knowledge. I just think that it's not shared enough. Like the top, the forefront of what we normally see is the finished product. So like, that's why we have an opinion. Like a lot of times, just in general, like people judge the finished product until they learn the whole process. And then when you learn the process, now all of a sudden you have a more of appreciation for like the product that may be put out. I feel like that's what the class does. It really gives you a deeper dive, not only on the sneaker itself, but like the brains behind what went into that marketing campaign. Why someone picked this material versus that material. Uh, what what an actual athlete is looking for. Like, And those are just some simple things. Like even... How, how would you put together a sneaker exhibition for a museum? Like the history, how do you tell stories? Because sneakers to me is really storytelling at, at its highest and cool form. But how do you transform a storytelling element of like a sneaker into a museum and tell from, you know, 1919 to like what it is today? So I think it gives you a really deeper dive into like everything you may think you know and the things you like you'll learn way more of how it started from its infancy to get where it is now. I, you know, one thing that when I talked to J tips and then I went through and kind of did my own research about it and I seen the, you know, it's funny. I've seen that the, the FIT I always saw the FIT mm -hmm. in the complex, but it never dawned on me that that was fashion Institute of technology. I, I thought it was fit. <laughs> I just didn't even pay much attention to that. And a lot of people don't may not know, especially sneaker, you know, heads, they don't know how major FIT is. FIT is a major fashion, you know, institution. Absolutely. And Absolutely. So how what part do they play in and complex as well in, you know, moving this progress I mean moving this this course forward and stuff? I mean, it's it's really blended. So I like to call it popular education in that one side of it is very academic. Um, shout out to Sarah Mullins, who's probably one of the, the best professors you could ever have. And then on the other side, you have industry. So like when you go to traditional school, a lot of it is just you're learning from like an ap academic institution 
and you're reading about like what would happen in industry where our courses are super unique is where you have an academic professor or you have a series of them that give you their insight like you're actually going to FIT but then the flip side you have people from complex or you have real sneaker like OGs like a Clark Kent giving you their insight and and giving you a balanced approach of like how you could go about getting to the industry on either side of the coin. And that's what I think is really, really cool. Cause even for myself, like as much as I knew when Sarah comes in and talks to me, I feel like I'm learning so much so quickly just cause she's giving you like the top of the top of academic terms and what, what schools are doing to push the needle. And then you'll talk to someone, like a Joe LaPuma, and he'll tell you what's going on in the industry and what they're doing to push the needle. So as a student, you're kind of caught in between, and you get both best of the both worlds. So I think that's what's really unique about the course. How did you decide on who was going to be a professor? Uh, we have um, like we have people who design the course, and a lot of the times it's the school that decides that. It's not really us. Um, Sarah Mullins usually takes the lead just because she's been teaching – uh, sneakers and how to build them for a long period of time, and then she'll rope in um, all the other professors who who align with like sneakers and footwear, more more than likely bigger into footwear than just sneakers itself, just because sneakers is kind of a branch from the footwear tree. So when it because you know when I went to the site and I did see the amount of um, I don't I don't know of course you know I guess course teachers i guess you want to call them that i don't want to say professors let's call them contributors uh let's yeah call them contributors because i think like people are contributing to what the course could feel like i'm not sure clark kent would want to be called uh, a professor (laughs) (laughs) let's call him let's call actually he may want to be called a professor you know what's funny is that like I, i i seen him discussing like i saw like a little video of him talking about it and i would be very interested in sitting or, or or hearing a Clark Kent led discussion on sneakers because <laughs> he is he's a and this is nothing that like he is definitely when it comes to sneakers a legend when it comes into sneakers a legend as a DJ and a staple in New York City and one of the most popular DJs and worked hard now when we interviewed Clark Kent he didn't he I don't want to say he didn't like us <laughs> But he's very he's very passionate about his discussion and his own personal understanding of sneakers. So it was something right. that, you know, and we you know we took it for what it was like we we enjoy talking to different people from all over the world. So, you know, it was right. kind of a different understanding of it. But um, so is it like video based, like where you just kind of do it at your own pace online or. Yeah, so it's 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 video based. The majority of our stuff, well, all of our stuff really is online where people take the course at their own leisure. And then what we really work hard or what we're working hard to do more these days is give people some more offline experiences so they can apply what they learned. Um, but the majority of the class is online and it does super well because people can take it at their own pace. And then sometimes we have, you know, special segments where like we'll bring in somebody who will speak to just a deeper dive. So like someone who does customization and speak about that, that's a different module than the course offers. Okay. So then going into that, you know, kind of leading off with that and we'll, I want to get back to sneaker school. Can you talk to me about marked a little bit? Oh, for sure. 
marked um because you, you brought up customizations like, and the, all the art, that the art on sneaker side yeah yeah i mean marked was a passion project that started for me when i worked with the baddest shoe museum and uh the idea behind it was like how do you get a whole bunch of diverse people in a room some that may like sneakers some that may like art and the idea that we came up with is if we take an all-white pair of sneakers, give people Sharpies, and only give them a limited amount of time to come up with a design, that was a cool way to merge cultures together. Um, and I've been doing that for the last five years. Um, it's been really cool. It's a cool activation. I call it the intersection of culture event, where you intersect sneakers, the sneaker culture and the art culture, and have fun in between. Uh, we do that like with high schools and then we also do it as like a, a free social event um, but yeah mark has been my baby outside of me doing all the work with yellow brick and a sneaker school i've been doing mark for a while so you had you know going back you had said you threw like the first sneaker expo um mm -hmm. in the states and you know how difficult is that something that you could kind of learn going to sneaker school as well like we all have this like we're in we're based in arizona Arizona does not have a really robust culture, which I want, I want to kind of touch on with sneaker school as well. So it's like we have we've had like our own consignment shops and things like that. And some very motivated people that have run some of the shops out here um, that make sure they yearly have events out here that we, um, you know, that we're that we're a part of. And, you know, to bring something to Arizona, whether it's small or on a large scale. Sneaker Con has been to Arizona, I think, once from what i can remember oh wow yeah and that's okay obviously the biggest one you know however anybody feels about it or not it's, it's clearly the biggest one dunk exchange way back in the day used to come quite often um right. how difficult of a process is that getting something like that off the ground like i see you guys have discussions at sneaker events you know about sneaker talk and things i've seen you on stage a few times um how difficult of a process right. is that uh i mean to answer the question two ways like to put on a sneaker exhibition is a lot of work because you got to do the history and the groundwork of each individual artifact that you're going to put on display and why Dion shoe beats Rob's shoe and like how rich is that story there's a lot more that goes into it than just putting a sneaker up in a museum and telling a story it really is months and months of work but on the flip side doing um, like a sneaker con type of show it's really just like putting on a normal trade show and it is a lot of a heavy lift, but it's more the first one. That's the hardest one. After that, it's more rinse and repeat. And it's the hardest part about putting on those types of shows is like a getting the vendors and then just figuring out how to keep the vendors all happy. Just cause as much as you see, um, sneaker con having, you know, there's, there's a talk and there's basketball courts, the core, of what they're doing is really like giving people an outlet to showcase their shit. Right. And if Dion has the same shit as Bob, how am I keeping you guys happy? Not only just for this show, but continuously over and over and over. So the work is really just like anything that is large box is managing the people. I think once you can figure out how to manage the people and keep it rinsing, repeating, uh, that type of show can be successful. Sneaker Con has done it to a level now where they're just like killing the game um, in a good way, right. but also like they've also 
really targeted that younger demographic that's like the high school student teaching them almost a little bit about entrepreneurship because they're walking around with shoes and you know you're gonna have to negotiate how to sell your shit but um i when i first went to SneakerCon a while ago when it was in soho in new york at the bottom of a church it was completely a different demo it was more like the og guys showing you rare rare collections and trying to trade up stuff that you couldn't see. So, I mean, I, I kind of give SneakerCon its props in that they figured out how to segment one audience and just focus on that and make it a machine. So, I mean, shout out to SneakerCon for doing that. Yeah, um, and then kind of going back to what I was saying, like with us being in a smaller market, um, you know, one thing that George and I have always, and I don't want to say complained, but, you know, it's, it's kind of discouraging when, you know, we have the amount of work that it does go, that does take to get into, sorry, to buy a sneaker. You know, we have to enter a lot of online raffles and we got to do a lot of stuff even overseas. So right. locally, we don't get a lot of the things that other places get, you know, Chicago, LA, New York, those are always the big hubs that, hold, you know, right. house everything, California. So um, how does sneaker school, how could sneaker school benefit somebody that comes from that smaller market, that Arizona, that Oklahoma, Nebraska, that Midwest, you know, smaller market that doesn't get to have the luxury of a complex right down the street or, you know? No, I think, I think that you just answered it. Like you don't have the luxury of the complex down the street. So what you have is you have a course that gives you access to people that work at complex or talent that have done work with Complex and hearing their insights that are super rich that could help point you in the right direction versus like you may want to come all the way to New York just to have a meeting with someone from Complex. You could easily take the course and get as much as you need to know and have a better foundation of like, what's the best way for me to get into the industry? The biggest thing that I see when people take the course is like, they arrive at our course having one idea and then when they finish it, they have a way clearer idea, but it's not the same one that they started with. So I think that our course really gives you a really good sense of like, man, I really want to become a designer because that's what society has conditioned me to think is the only way to get in. Then when I take the course, my mind, my mind is open so much wider to like the different things you can get into and make a career out of it. And you may think that you're a designer, but you may be a better marketer than a designer. And that's why I think the course is really unique for anyone who lives in a smaller market. You can take this course at your own leisure, um, pay attention to the modules and the exercises. And the exercises are really what really is universal. So it doesn't matter what city you're in, because if you're dope at that exercise, you're going to be dope whether you're in wherever you are or you're in New York City. So. The exercises and the materials what really makes the course dope. So I kind of want to get into like the VP of brand partnership side of Dion real quick. So um, we had recently seen that like Nike and this is I don't know if this is rumored or this is factual, but like they're going to start, you know, limiting, you know, stock or stop supplying stock to a lot of smaller shops, you know, um, across the country, um, how much longer do you think the physical retail shop have? Not very long. Like, I mean, I think it was yesterday that they seen, seen Mark step down. Right. Um, and then they hired a CEO from, from eBay. Like, you know what I mean? Like, that's showing you, like, 
you have a, a sneaker guy who's been working with the, the best sneaker probably brand in the world um, who steps down and they hire someone who knows e-commerce. So, mm. like, if that's not um, an indication of where sneaker retail is going, um, I don't know what it is. So I think bricks and mortar will survive, but not as a traditional retail store. You now have to be able to provide experiences for consumers to want to stay in your store and get multiple things out of it than just buying goods and buying goods and services. Is is the, is, is the sneaker culture flooded with too many people that are like-minded? Oh, did I lose you? Can you hear me? Are you there? Yeah, I'm here. Oh, no, I had asked, do you think that the sneaker culture is too flooded with like-minded people? Uh, I wouldn't say like-minded people. I think that the sneaker culture is right now, I feel like it's really built on hype. You know, like people are buying stuff and they don't even know the origins of it. It's just hype. Um, but I think right now there's, if I've never seen it before, is there's way more opportunities for people to get into the sneaker industry and do cool stuff if they can think outside of the box. Um, like a good friend of mine, Dwayne Edwards, who runs Pencil, we had a conversation about um, just people always wanting to become designers and wanting to design an actual sneaker. And he was saying to me, like, Right now, if, if people wanted to become a designer, there's more ways to become a designer than just designing the sneaker. You could become a 3D designer. And he labeled it as like being Dennis Rodman on a basketball team. He was like, no one wants to be a Dennis Rodman anymore. Everyone wants to score the ball. Where a 3D designer, you could literally sign your own check and have a job for the rest of your life. But no one wants to do that job because they all want to be in the hype. Hmm. So... To that, to that point, I was kind of like, that's interesting because, like, if you really pay attention to what he's saying is, like, if you're looking for jobs in the shadows, you can really make a career in the sneaker industry. But if everyone's following the hype, of course it's going to be saturated and we're going to look at it like everyone's thinking the same way. How do you – do you view – I mean, I feel like in your line of work, hype is what's needed. Like, I feel like – so – when it comes to hype and it comes to sneaker school, is sneaker school, as far as you can know, or I don't know if Andrew would know, whatever the case may be, is it being, is it being populated with younger individuals into the culture, or is there a lot of older sneakerheads that are getting into it as well? Uh, it's funny. It's like there's two. I, I at least from my opinion, there's two um, demos that we see a lot. We see. I wouldn't say the super young, but someone who's finished high school, hasn't really went on to like college or university, is trying to figure out, they, they know that they love sneakers, but they don't really know how to get in the industry. They're not a fan of traditional education. So they're like, let me mess around and take this course. Um, and those people do super well because they have a more mature brain, even though they haven't went the traditional route. They, they know how to be responsible and, and teach themselves how to learn something. Uh, the second demo that I always think is super interesting is the people who have worked for a job for a long period of time. Let's say you work from 25 to you're 32, 
and you worked at, you know, Verizon, but you always love sneakers. We see those people take our course a lot, and they're just trying to figure out, like, how do I take my passion and make it into a career? And I think eventually, like, that segment of people is going to surpass our primary audience, which was the one I described. Um, I just find, like, there's such a shift happening where people are no longer satisfied with just working with a job to pay the bills, and they want something that makes them happy that they're passionate about. So those are the two demos that right now are really taking our course and, and uh, having a good time doing it. Um, how long has Snickers School actually been going on? Uh, we're, we're going on to four years. Oh, that's good. Um, yeah, four years. I mean, to be totally transparent with you at the first little bit, we're still trying to figure out, you know, what's the best way to market it, what's the best way to structure the courses. But now I feel like we've really figured it out um, where those holes have been plugged. You know, I think one thing that I've, because we've talked about it all the time, you know, we have, you know, SneakerCon, like you said, has like really um, catered to the younger group, which is perfectly fine because that's the demographic that seems to be really out there still pushing it as, as much as they possibly can. A lot of us older mm-hmm. sneaker heads are doing a lot of complaining and, you know, or, or whatever. And we're, <laughs> we're doing we're doing our best to, like, keep up. And, you know, me and George talk about it all the time. We don't even want to get off the couch to go buy sneakers. We will have every we will have every app open, but sometimes we'll win a sneaker on an app, and if we got to get in the car to go get it, we're angry. So, um, <laughs> but it, it, it's funny you talk about the ways to market sneaker school. We've always, one of my complaints about SneakerCon was the fact that I felt like it got away from sneakers. It started becoming like, you know, very YouTube entertainment type thing. And I felt like the knowledge and the lack of information was getting lost about these sneakers. Now, look, I'm completely aware that a uh, Scottie Pippen sneaker is not going to be as popular as a Fear of God sneaker right now. Completely right, understood. Right. I understood it, but it's important to understand, like with what Jerry did with the Fear of God. He modeled one of the models after the Air Raid. I don't think a lot of sneakerheads even know the Air Raid is an original shoe. Exactly. They look at the Fear of God as something new. I think it'd be awesome if Sneaker School had a booth and a table set up for people to enroll. Just like a colleges, just like colleges, you come and get that college information, enroll. Like, there's a lot of people who are interested in the vlogs and, and doing YouTube. And that I'm not sure if that's a course or not, but it's so big right now that it's something that people can definitely benefit from. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, it's funny you say that because I was at SneakerCon in Toronto, and uh, that was the first time I attended the SneakerCon in over five years, probably. And, uh, and I definitely seen like there's this, a major gap. What I think with SneakerCon sneaker con specifically, they figured out how to build a machine. So like they're not going to break that. Uh, you know, like they got the young people's. Like, it was amazing to see parents in there giving their kids money. Like that shit blew my mind. Um, but I also think there's a cool opportunity, like you said, for SneakerCon to build something for a different audience that could still be branded SneakerCon, that's for more a mature sneaker buyer, if you want to call it that. Right. Where there could be an education piece, there could be um, OG collectors um, showcasing stuff that like these young guys would never even understand, like the Air Raids. Um, but I think that's something that it could be Sneaker School in collaboration with. 
but I definitely think there's an opportunity to like the same model as a sneaker con, but like the mature version where like I come through and I don't feel like I'm going to see a 12 year old or 13 year old putting shoes above his head. It's more of a learning experience, you know, and nothing's wrong right. with the 12 to 13 year old. That oh no. It's just not the space for me oh, no, anymore. It, it's not. And, and that's why like with our show, we try to make sure like you talk about like putting yourself in these situations to, to learn and, and take care of yourself when you want to enter the sneaker community in a certain way. Our podcast, like I said, 179 episodes, we do everything 100% ourselves. The cameras, the editing, the graphics on the screen. Right. We do all that. Control our social media. We do all that on our own. And I remember when we first came up with the idea of it, I honestly thought I, I came up with an original idea. I had no idea that there were others prior to me. I listen to podcasts all the time, and it never dawned on me to, like, let me search sneaker podcast. And there was a couple out there, and I had ch- checked them out, and I just couldn't believe a lot of the opportunities they were missing, you know. Um, yeah, no, for sure. Which for sure. we we capital. Go ahead, go ahead. Oh, say like which we capitalized on. We, you know, there's things that we talk about that no other sneaker podcast are currently talking about, haven't talked about, and we also do video every week. You know, and video is a hard part because we right. are dealing with a younger community. But in order for us to educate about like a classic sneaker, if I bring up a Deion Sanders sneaker, if I say, "Yo, a Diamond Turf is one of my favorite sneakers of all time that I bought in fourth," <laughs> when I say that, and I say that about that in fourth grade. They want to see a picture of it. They're not going to know what that is listening to me strictly right. on audio. They might, they know the ones that are really interested, they'll go ahead and Google it and find out and be like, yo, that's dope. But it's also good to like show what they're missing. You can look at a Diamond Turf. You can look at a, a Scottie Pippen. You can look at so many sneakers and see the influence that it has today. And from what I learned from Jay Tips and what I'm hearing from you and your conversations from Andrew, I do think sneaker school is something that a lot of people could benefit from, especially the younger generation. You know, there's a lot of older sneakers out here, sneaker heads out here that think they know a lot as well. And they don't hearing Jay Tips discuss like the distribution and what goes into it and the de- decisions that are being made as far as like, should we retro this? Will they buy this? Like, you know, things like that. That's important. And I think I think that's what is so cool about the course. Like, it gives you a, a deeper appreciation for like certain sneakers that you may or may not like. Like I always say, it's about a story or it's about a moment when it comes to a pair of sneakers. And when you understand the moment of a pair of sneakers and what actually went into designing that before it got to the moment, then all of a sudden the ugly pair of sneakers becomes really really cool. Because, like, you did the, the homework to understand how it got there. I think that's the knowledge that you need to know to really appreciate what the sneaker game's about. And nothing's wrong with the hype because it helps to push the culture forward. But when you start talking to, like, the older guys who, who've really been in it for a long period of time, they're going to tell you rich stories or they're going to share moments that, ah, oh, I remember when I wore that sneaker and I took my girl on my first date or, I did this, mm-hmm. or Bo Jackson played both two sports. I remember that first ad, Bo knows, like, right. but people don't do that homework anymore, right? They just see the hype, and as soon as it goes up, it's gone in, in within 48 hours. So and there, that's it, what sneaker, like, even to, to J-Tip's point, like, learning about distribution and, like, if you come up, what's a really good idea versus, like, just an idea because you thought it was cool and why it got pushed to market. And like all the thinking that goes behind making something a success. 
And, and, you know, I love telling those stories. Like the Reebok questions just re-released this week, and they kind of like put a little twist on it, like a crossover, a red one and a blue one. And me being such a Reebok aficionado, like I wasn't a fan of that. I like the traditional right. way to it, but they have to figure out some type of way to appeal to another crowd. But you talk about those stories. I love telling stories when it comes to sneakers. I have a million of them. But it's funny because I was I was telling a friend the other day, I was saying, you know what's crazy is that like I looked at the Reebok question as one of those sneakers that I always thought when I was younger looked so good on girls. And I remember a girl that I had a crush on. Her name, her, her name was Chanel. I won't say her last name, Chanel. This was back in the day. And she ran track. And we all used to, I mean, we're young boys. You know, she had really nice legs. You know, we're young. But I remember she had the Reebok questions on. And she came walking. Man, we thought those were the greatest things we had ever seen. We didn't even know they were out yet. We knew about them. We had only seen Iverson wearing them. A lot of people don't realize that, like, they're so caught up in the now that they forget that the internet didn't once exist. I talk about this with my co-host George all the time. The way you knew a sneaker was a new sneaker was coming or whatever, you watch the NBA, you watch the actual basketball game. You say, yo, what is Jordan wearing? Yo, what is Sean Kemp rocking right now? Oh, I need those. You, There was no release days. There was no apps. There was no word of mouth. Like the word of mouth was, yo, I went to the but mall. Was, I mean, it's funny because I remember the days like where it was like, before the plug or like you may know someone because you buy sneakers regularly right and someone at someone at the cash register would hit you like and that's before cell phones like they would on your pager and be like yo you should get to the store because like we just got a new shipment and like that was the only way you would know like there's a <laughs> new release like right. there was no like a release date coming like december 30 like none of that shit actually existed it was kind of like <laughs> Let me go see what's in the sneaker store today. Oh, shit, these are here. Let me grab them. No, 100% facts. That was that. I was telling some listeners, I said, I remember when the sneaker shops, Foot Locker, Champs, all those places, it didn't say what the sneaker they was going to get. It would just say shipment will be here from Nike on this date. You didn't know what it was. So, like, you would either remember to come back. And I remember that's how I got Jordan 5s. I remember when Jordan 5s mm-hmm. dropped, the guy said, you know what, it says Nike on it, but I'm not sure what it is. But, you know, they come out. I remember what month it was or what it was. And I remember my friends, our school was really close to the mall. And we were like, let's just walk over there and see. And they, we watched them take them out of the boxes, like the actual delivery boxes. And it was one of the best feelings ever for us. And... You know, if sneaker school is something that could restore that feeling or, or, or provide that feeling to a younger generation, that's not going to get that benefit. The, the younger generation only knows standing in line, apps, bots, you yeah, know, yeah, and, no, for sure. and, 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 you know, back in our day, it was actual sometimes lost your life for a sneaker. They might know a little bit of violence and pushing and shoving and cutting in lines, but um, it's, <laughs> it's good to know that. It, it's good to know that. Well, it, it, it's funny, like I'm listening to you speak and you're making me like getting nostalgic i remember even out like in toronto we used to have like layaway plans where like you could go to like your local boutique shop and be like yo if i put a hundred on these and come pick them up on saturday could you hold them for me and dude would be like yeah do that for you like they don't know about that no more no they don't and 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 it was and that was the good old days when when shops when shops used to actually care about the consumer. Technical difficulties. When shop when shop when shops would actually remember you and see you and, and have you come in. And, you know, I would come up to the homie and I'd say, yo, man, come on, let me give you fifty. And sometimes they would let you make payments on it. I remember You try to do that with me. 
You try to pay me for the, uh, a drill like that. Uh, pause. Uh. Look, you look, you the homie, though. You know, you know I'm good for it. I see you every Wednesday. So you know I could pay you installments. But it was always good to know that, like, look, I'll give you 50 right now. And they will hold them for you for, like, two, three weeks. I remember Sheik used to do that. They maybe not were supposed yeah, to, yeah. but, like, it was the homie. So you talk about Toronto and Canada a lot. How was sneakers out there? We have a lot of listeners in the Canada area and some of the homies we talk to on a regular basis. How is it out there? Is it really, really popular out there, or is it something that's still growing? You know, it, it's like, I mean, I've been going back and forth to the U.S. probably for the last, over the last three, four years, way more than I have before. The culture is super strong in Canada. It's just that the U.S. has way more numbers. Um, would I say that the love in, in Toronto or in Canada is super strong? For sure. But I think when you just break it down to, like, the pure numbers, we just can't compete. So, like, when you look at should we do a special release or should we do some type of marketing campaign for Canada, I always use this stat where it's, like, California is the size of Canada. So, like, think about that from, like, a marketing perspective. Is like, right. should we pay that much attention to Canada when a whole country is the side of one of our states? Hmm. So... That's why that's why I feel like we don't they don't pay that much attention to it. But when you come to Toronto, because I guess I could be biased if that's where I'm from, um, you'll 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 see some people who could compete. Like they know they, they live it every single day. Like if they cross the border, they'll be celebrated. But as a country as a whole, it's just it's, the numbers are just so much smaller than like anything that we can compete with inside of the U.S. What would you tell to somebody who who's really skeptical of sneaker school? Um, apply for a scholarship, ask for a test run. Um, if you're if you're skeptical of it, I actually understand that because it's like it's a lot, man. Like to to think like, could I really learn something about sneakers in a formal way? Um, I would say reach out to like our team, ask as many questions as possible, like before you make the decision. One of the things I always pride myself on is tell people, like, ask for one of the modules. And if you take one of the modules and you think it's not for you, then good, then that's fair. But, like, I guarantee you take one of the modules, you're going to be like, yo, I want to take three or four. I want to finish the class. And that's the tester. It's just like, like right now we also have a traveling tourism class. So I, I actually i am taking the traveling tourism class as a user. And I was like, man, let me see what this traveling tourism is about. And I was hooked. Right. So my biggest thing is, like, ask for a module. Like, I don't know if you guys drink beer, but if, you, if you're a beer drinker, you ask for a sample. We drink like, it. Ask for a sample. Right? I right. drink it. <laughs> right? <laughs> right. Um, ask for a sample of it. That's the best thing you could do. And if the sam you don't like the sample, then it ain't for you, and that's okay. But, like, the majority of people that take a sample are like, yo, I want to take the whole course. Is there any company, well, you know, I won't ask you that. I know this is something that I, I kind of like. Is there any companies that that listen that you might know that really take in consideration what the consumer has to say? Um, I know Sneaker School is, is, you know, gives a lot of insight on, you know, every aspect of it. But, you know, when it comes to just like something as simple as like customer service, you know, I saw that one of your contributors, you know, I think own Rhyme Sneaker Shop, I believe. Um, yeah, Rhyme is 
they're getting ready to close down, Ryan. So I know. York, right? I saw that on IG, and it says they were getting ready to close down. And I saw that the owner, you know, looks like a, a lovely lady. You know, she was talking about how the culture changed and things have changed, and she's going to close. And I don't know if that is just, you know, a casualty of, you know, the I mean, Internet and stuff. or Yeah, it definitely is. I mean, it's it's, it's online. It's, it's a perfume of online and what's happening in the industry, right? Like, that's a boutique shop that's like, you know, that's a hood boutique shop that people really – love but like you could get a lot of stuff online now so it's a little bit different for her and how she's going to grow her business you know yeah and, and a lot of these a lot of the brands dictate that stuff too but i mean we won't get too too heavy into that but right yeah like it's definitely the online business is going to eventually push you out if you're not killing it online i know and and we've talked about this like way earlier episodes that we had when we first started the podcast and we would see a lot of these like you know, where shops and consignment shops and a lot of things are like starting and popping up to where they've become so popular socially on social media and amongst like, I guess, quote unquote hype. We've seen them become so popular to where they they've become tourist attractions. Like when you come visit New York, you want to go to Flight Club. You want to go to yep. uh, Kith. You want to go to Stadium Goods. you got these places. And I always said that I didn't like that because I worried about the mom and pop shops because the mom and pop shop could be selling the exact same sneaker as a Kith. And shout out to Kith. We love Kith. You know, we buy their clothes all the time. You know, anything we can get from them when it's not too difficult. But it's something different about walking in the Kith and buying your Air Force One and get the Kith bag and go into the store and take pictures versus buying the yeah. exact same Air Force One from, you know, mom and pop who's been there for 15 years and it's just a regular old shop with mm -hmm. Air Force Ones on the wall. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think the Kif, I mean, just retailing in, in general, not even just, I mean, Kif is amazing, uh, Supreme, all these stores are amazing. It's just, they're now focused on retail as an experience, more so than just retail. The boutique stores, you know, those are stores that you would just go into shop and chop it up with with the owner and kind of see what's going on in the industry, what's going on in your neighborhood. But like, you're not going to get a crazy experience like taking pictures and you may run into this person, that person. So I think the industry has shifted in a way where like, if you're going to do retail, that has to be multi-purpose. It can't no longer be just a retail shop. Like, can, like I've seen stores like it's one half of it is like a sneaker store and the other half is an ice cream store. Like, it's like you just have to have more than one trick in order to survive in retail right now. Yeah, it's crazy because I remember, you know, every time me and my friends went out of town, we'd go somewhere. One of the things was we would go to the mall and go to Foot Locker and Champs and all these stores. All these stores that we had in our own city, but it was still like, yo, we got to get to the mall, see what they got sneaker-wise. Even though, odd uh, job, they had the exact same thing. I feel like that is lost. Like, I feel like that's, you know, that experience of like even just being able to, I mean, it's it's essentially just loitering. Like we would go loiter at places forever, might not buy nothing, but we would mm -hmm. loiter just to get that feeling, that understanding. And that was like that that sneaker store, that was our home. That was ours, you know, and we would go. Yeah, to, yeah. I mean, there's definitely ownership to it. And I get it. Like, I think that has changed, too. Right. Like it was like that was the hangout spot. That was where you chop it up. That's where you meet the homies and you talk about other things outside of sneakers, but the sneaker was the magnet that brought everybody together, you know? Um, 
since we're talking about retail, one thing that I always like to highlight, I was talking to Trent uh, from Exclusivity in, in, in Ontario, in Canada, and he, 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 made, he taught me something, and he was like, a lot of people who want to open boutiques now, not only do you have to have a strong online business, but what, one thing that he exposed was like, you want to get a boutique store so you can get all the rare shit, but not understanding to get all the rare shit, you also have to carry some of the garbage shit. Uh, and, and, and that blew my mind because I was like, I, was, I never realized that how hard of a balance that really was. Right. You almost have to move the basic stuff in order to get the top tier accounts. And he really went in on that where it was like, people don't understand. Like, you think I get this sexy sneaker just because I'm moving volume. But it's not because I'm moving volume on this sneaker. It's because I can move volume around the sneakers that no one really want to buy. And I thought that was really interesting because, like, I think a lot of people who go into opening a sneaker store just think, like, oh, I'm just going to get all the dope shit and have that shit showcased all the time versus, like, it's a balanced approach. Like, you get cool stuff or dope shit, but you also have to be able to move regular shit, too. Yeah, it's funny you brought that up because we have a store out here called Manor. And uh, it's doing really well. And when it first started out, you know, one of the major things that they, they built a really good brand around their own merchandise that they sell for themselves. Um, and then, you know, they got a lot of the brands like Herschel and a lot of stuff like that. But a lot of their sneakers on the wall, it was like, you know, Clark's. It was, um, you know, Carhu. Is that what it's called? Carhu, mm -hmm. Clearweather. It was a lot of these like brands that are like maybe popular in other areas. And... You know, you go, you go to a place, you say a sneaker shop, and you don't see any Nikes on the shelves yet. You don't see any Adidas on the. And this is right. back, and this is back when Boost was like, you know, Adidas Boost and stuff was like at top tier. They didn't even have any of that in the store yet, and they've been able to survive and weather that, selling and proving that they can sell stuff, move other product, and get that thing. They have week, they have like once a month parties. They have a lot of events at the place, and you know that feeling that we talked about restoring sometimes you'll go in there you know just for the party it'd be like some free beer and some music i mean you might find yourself buying a pair of something that you might not have would have bought just because of the feeling of being in there but now they have adidas they have nikes they've been doing collaborations with nikes so they're actually doing pretty good for themselves and is that something sneaker school would teach us like do you recommend even people even having that mindset still to open up a boutique yeah i mean for sure absolutely i think like my thing is like if you're going to open up a boutique know that go into it actually let me take that back if you're going to open up a boutique you have to have a dual passion meaning like do you love cookies and you like cook and you like sneakers so like open a cookie sneaker shop because like you need something that's going to generate revenue on a regular basis because people eat cookies every day they don't buy sneakers every day <laughs> right right so it's kind of how do you, how do you, you know, my homie Marcus, we always talk about like odd pairing. How can you pair two things that are odd and make that a store together? Mm. And because of where sneakers are today, it's like, it's so diverse that like, if you open a coffee shop that has a sneaker wall that sells all retro shit, you'll do super fine because people drink coffee every day and the backdrop is sneakers. But, like, if it's only going to be a sneaker store, you have to do something really, really special to keep continuing traffic to traffic to, every single day to meet your margins. 
are like, if I had to lend advice to someone who wants to open a boutique, look at it as like a, a double-edged sword. Like, how can I do this to pay the rent, but then still have my sneaker store running on the other side? But I don't think that, I think the days of like only leading it with a sneaker boutique only is slowly becoming dead. Because even if you look at like Nike, um, you go into a Nike store, like they have 500 of, 500, not quite literally, but like right. they have a whole bunch of things that will engage you outside of their products. Mm. You know, like how much steps did you take today? It's like, oh man, I'm only coming here to <laughs> focus on weight loss. Oh shit, let me buy a pair of tights. Right. Right? You know what I mean? Like they have everything outside of the product that engages you to come in the store. And then you almost buy the product by default because the experience is so rich. You know, that that's a good point. I mean, sometimes I have a lot of friends when it comes to like the sneakers app and, and buying off apps. I have a lot of friends that sometimes they, they lose out on so many sneakers so many times that when they have the opportunity to like buy something, you know, that they normally wouldn't, they, they almost have to because, in, and that's what we call it, like a win or a L, like, when you right. when you finally have the opportunity to get to get something on there, it's an experience and it's something that like Nike yep. and everybody's been able to like, you know, you can now share your win. Like I got the Travis Scott this week. You can share online and basically show off to everybody who didn't get the Travis Scott this week, but you got them. You're a little bit extra special today. And that's something that people sure. relish in. Like and we've been talking a lot about retail. Like I went to um, I forgot it was, I think it was like one of a Jordan event and they had just opened a Jordan store somewhere and, uh, they, to celebrate the opening of the store, it was like an open bar and all you could eat food, but all the shoes were still on sale. And I was like, I just picked cause I like to pay attention. So I'm sitting back in the cut and I see as people start to drink more, how easily they start to buy product. And I was like, yo, Nike and Jordan really figured this shit out where, like, you get people sauced up and they buy the shoes. <laughs> and it was like, but, but when you step back from it, it's really just saying the richer the experience in a store, the, the, the better position you are for people to spend money. Right. And I feel like that's where really retail is going now. Like, if you go into Saks, you'll see it. Like, in the middle of the day, they're giving you free this, free that to just draw you in. Then once you feel real comfortable, you feel like you had a cool experience, next thing you know, you pull out your card. So I think like that's, if you're going to run in bricks and mortar, it from like an experience standpoint. Like how do I make somebody feel real comfortable in my, in my presence so then they loosen up their wallet? Right. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. Um, well, I will tell you this, that I'm excited, you know, to, to hear – you know, like I said, we have a friend who's currently right now enrolled in sneaker school, and I definitely want to hear his experience. We definitely want to have J Tips on again. And I don't have anything else additional for you. I do want, you know, to tell you that we do appreciate you taking the time out to talk to us about this. And absolutely. And, and we encourage our listeners to, to do what you said. If you have any doubts about it, you're really interested and you're curious about it, you like to resell, you like to research sneakers, you like to write about sneakers. We have friends that listen to the podcast that like write weekly on, you know, blogs and stuff. I think this is something that'd be good for them to check out. Ask for a sample email, ask them to see a module, see if it's something that you could benefit from. 
um, once we get that that vanity site squared away, you know, for our show, you know, offer you know a scholarship uh, to the program, we'll definitely let everybody know. Um, I don't know if you have anything else you wanted to say, Dion, before we let go. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, first of all, thank you guys for having me on the show. You guys are doing a great job. Appreciate it. Um, if, if people are interested in the sneaker school, it's sneakerschool.com. On social, it's yellowbrick.sneakers. Um, if you guys have questions for me and, you know, if you need help to, like, figure out if this course is for you or you have partnerships ideas or ideas that you heard about during the show, feel free to hit me on IG as well. It's my name, Dion Walcott, D-I-O-N-W-A-L-C-O-T. Um, and, yeah, I hope I hope people jump on it and we can give you guys, if not one, a couple scholarships to give away to some of your listeners. And uh, I think it'll be cool, man. All right on. Well, this is Dion Walcott. We appreciate you. Like you said, hit him up. If you got some ideas or something, hit him up, man. Like, you know, it, you know, it's it's good to share information now. A lot of back in the day, people didn't share, you know, so nobody knew and nobody learned. So you have the opportunity to learn about what you have a passion for. And you have good people like Dion and Andrew and, you know, supporters at FIT and Complex who will definitely guide you through this and uh, get you going, get you something excited about sure so we appreciate, appreciate you. you guys having me on oh of course all right so i'll talk to you later dion all right man take it easy all right man. Peace. later all right fellas be good that was a good conversation i like that good concise everybody check it out listen <laughs> I, I need everybody to listen to that like check it out listen all right look man it's something that you could you can learn and do if somebody could get something a little additional out of something outside of you know the norm, Instagram, and following and taking pictures of your own sneakers. Listen, I think when we first talked about this, we thought it was like Money people learning about, nonsense. well, I mean, not so much that, but yes. And people learning about like the history of shoes. To me, the history of shoes is not all that important. But when you go in there and it's like a business class too, and they have people in there who've been in the industry before and they're talking about um, supply chain management or economics or how to run a retail business, you know, behind the scenes, what really happens as opposed to what people think happens versus how to run maybe a consignment shop. And I know we had whatever episode that was fifth episode or whatever we had uh flight pound man on, um, talking about the difference between running a retail store and running a consignment store. Um, and we've heard that we heard it from him in fifth episode that when you, Run a retail store. You can't just get easy twos. You got to take uh, Monarch and, fours and right. whatever. Else. Well, no, I'm talking. You, I don't. I'm not going to go to a different brand. You right. gotta, from the same brand, you got to take stuff because oh, yeah. that's the only way you're going to get easy twos. But yeah, you got to take Monarch fours or clothing you might not be able to sell. And I said that a long time ago about manners. They were smart in making a. It's going to be, obviously, it's going to be tough to duplicate a Kith or duplicate a John Elliott, even though a John Elliott is not necessarily right. a sneaker shop. Um, there, a West Coast Kith does not exist, if you really think about it. I mean, Undefeated is a gigantic brand, but they're not, their clothes aren't the same lane as right. Kith. You know what I mean? Like, I'm sure they sell tons of their own apparel. Oh, yeah, of course. 
And I think Manor did a good job, number one, creating a logo. And obviously, they have many logos because they have the M and then they have the word Manor spelled out. Now they have the one with the shoes hanging over the cactus. But it's something about their logos that are like, it's not too much and it's not too little. All right. So they did a good job. And then, obviously, the quality of the T-shirts they use is a little bit better than what you would normally expect. You know, it's not Gildan T-shirt, you know. The snapbacks, even though we know snapbacks are all made in China, are still wool snapbacks. They're not cheese dick hats so i mean you guys will appreciate that (laughs) Um, so they did a good job picking knowing their consumer right picking out um you know what they wanted to sell and then also doing events in their store now i'll be the first one to admit i've never been to an event in the store i've seen jeremy 15 times right Never in the store. <laughs> I see the only around like the neighborhood. Like last time a couple weeks ago was at the bar. So I've never actually been in the store when he is there. It's like impossible to get to the store when he's in the store. Um, but I'm not big on like retail events like that. But that's because I'm an old man. Like when I was 25 or 23 or 18, I would have been at all that stuff. Because well, number one, there's our specials. Number two, you're probably going to network. You might get a connection on some kind of shoe or whatever else yeah and we're getting off on a little bit of a tangent here but the sneaker school thing is important for this kind of stuff like it's more than just learning because i don't need someone to just stand up there and lecture and and, you know he said a lot of it was online anyways but i don't need anyone to stand up there and lecture me about where shoes started i have a lot of that knowledge myself right and i really if i was going to that wouldn't care anyways i would care about how to start a store, how to start a sneaker con, how to start a magazine, how to start this, how to start that. If you really are into that kind of stuff. And it's interesting that he was talking about, um, you know, we used to make fun of places that would have like haircuts and shoes in the same building. Right. I don't know that I agree with him in terms of having two off the beat things together. Kith treats works because Kith, Kith already existed. Right. So, those niche things may start working in the future, but it's not like you see a ton of that stuff working already, but it's interesting perspective to still hear it. Even if I don't agree that it's necessarily the best thing, the best thing to be honest might be to g- catch on to this like white claw and uh truly phase, right. try to get yourself a liquor license and then be like an apparel or um, I don't want to say streetwear, but you know what I mean? Streetwear, sneaker shop or whatever. And then you, sell spike seltzer i mean <laughs> you know what i mean like i don't know yeah and, and like you said like you know just for an example the like you know i, I do want to get the owner of prime prime kicks and cuts i believe in chandler on here um i want to get him to come to the podcast one day and talk about that whole process but like you said if kith opened a barbershop right now oh it'd be it'd be the greatest thing ever you know and we've never seen like at least we haven't on our side a barbershop inside of a retail store it's a barbershop with a consignment shop and kids would all type thing they'd be able to get barbers from wherever they wanted like barbers would oh. want to go work for them so they would get the best you Bruh, know what i mean i would pull the clippers out and oil them up b uh, right. Bruh, i would oil them up and go get my license so. yeah what to say well you got to do that first i would get my license so i'd be like yo what y'all got and it's funny you he said about or you or him the kith not being a West Coast thing, and they open up a shop in Hawaii. Like, I would imagine a Kith in the sneaker community would be killing it in Hawaii. Since when? Uh, it's been open for about a few months, maybe. So it's been open for a while. They, they released the Coca-Cola stuff. I didn't even stuff. know that. Yeah, I think it's Kith Hawaii. Unless that was just a special pop-up shop or something. Yeah, I don't they know. They always do pop-ups. Oh, okay, maybe it was a pop-up. I don't know. But I would imagine 
that would destroy on an island, like, you know, for whatever sneaker community right. and aficionados are out there. So, anyways, George, cop anything this week. Pickups. Uh, yeah, two things. I don't think I'm going to keep either one. If hey. they don't sell, I'm take them back. Hey. Uh, actually, I guess I didn't technically cop one of them yet. I won the raffle for the Kyrie SpongeBob oh, that okay. comes out tomorrow. And then I copped uh, Kawhi White and Gold, gold or whatever. Yeah, that dropped the other night. Did it sell out? Came out this morning. Okay, yeah, I saw it and I pretty sure it sold it. out. <clears throat> I looked at it and I was like, "Ooh, should I?" But I seen like a bunch of New Balance stuff on Instagram. Like they about to drop a grip of color soon. Yeah, like, three colors came out today. Later in the day at uh, Soul, pa- not Soul Palace, Shoe Palace. Oh, okay. The white one I got on New Balance, but take it back. But don't sell. So you go size you get. 12 and a half. Okay. Might like it. Might want to rock it. Wear it to the gym. Kawhi's out there balling. Uh, That's true. I, the first part of thing you said is not true. <laughs> I Oh, got Seattle 10s, which I said. Which, you know, I like them a lot. But did you go somewhere and buy them or did you order them? I got them all, thank you. So they can go back. Um, so you got them already or no? Yeah, I already got them already. Oh, all right. And I like them a lot, but I don't know. I feel like I'm. I would be keeping them just to keep them. So me saying you're not copping is the equivalent of if you no, 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 no. It is. No, no, it's not. You have to keep. Okay, so then from now on, I'm gonna say you ain't keeping, because <laughs> there's no point. What's the point of me saying you're not copping if you don't keep it? Fam, relax. I didn't make no, no, that no. decision yet. It doesn't matter. What's the point of me saying that if you're not keeping the shoe? We just talked about this with Dion, man. All right. There's something about the history of something. I look at Seattle 10s, and I've never been a person that talked about the city pack as high. He didn't as, come on the show and tell people to cop nostalgia. No, 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 no. Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> no, no, no. He didn't say that. But I'm saying that I still enjoy that nostalgia and that feeling. Yeah, that's fine. And then you take it back. Then it doesn't count. No, if I take it back, I can buy it later. Okay. You're not going to rebuy I can't. it. Mm. You don't know that because I am one person who still goes I mean, back and looks sure, for stuff like that. If it goes to fifty nine ninety seven, yeah, you might, but you ain't copping. Look, I love them. Like I said from the very, beginning. I do like them. Okay, I like them a lot, and I think that's it. I bought some Ultra Boost Nineteens for the homie Chris for his birthday. You know, shout out to Chris. He always takes care of me from my Cowboys tickets, and he's one of my super duper homies. You know, I consider Chris family, so I got my pair of Ultra Boost Nineteens. Man, joints are just. I'm sorry, Ultra Boost Nineteens are fire. You know? I don't care what nobody say. Like, I need a pair. Certain uh, ones are. They're fire. Uh, Certain ones. I've only come across a few colorways that I thought, like, what the? But a Once lot I didn't get my green and whites, I, just, I gave up. I don't care. Oh, so you? I thought you had bought them again. No. Oh, so I thought you had got them again. Oh, okay. I don't care anymore. But I'm like, man, I Especially need... Especially if they're retro-in-1.0s. I'd rather have those. Yeah, but I've heard a lot of people say these 19s are more comfortable than They 1.0s. might. Yeah, they might be. There's oh. more boost. Yeah, I guess. Um, I mean, thicker boost, I would imagine, probably makes a difference. I'm trying to think what else. I don't think there's anything else grabbed this week. Uh, any releases, anything? Let's see. Well, uh, Kyrie Pack came out today. Well, oh. Or Kyrie Pack comes out tomorrow. Not Pack, but whatever. So did you try to cop the Kyrie 6? No. Oh, okay. Why not? I uh, think you it said was, the website wasn't working, and after that, once I read that, I, I was mean, like, it, well, it, reason it, it was doing some weird stuff. But like, I don't know if that model was a special colorway. I don't know if they accidentally dropped the it. The six doesn't exist yet. The fives are what's coming out right now. Like, Concepts is doing another collab. Oh no, no, sixes that. do exist. What are you talking about? All the pictures you've seen pictures of sixes before. Yeah, they're not. They don't exist in release world yet. Well, that was the whole thing with those. This was an overseas set, so I don't know if like there was a surprise drop because the NBA season it's, started. It's a place in Miami, wasn't it? 
Oh, it was? I thought it was in Italy or something. I don't know. What store was it? I can't even remember. Um, It was on somebody tweeted out. I don't know. But I thought it was, like, overseas. I was like, oh, shoot, they must have accidentally dropped them joints or something. Um, Where's the website? And they look really close to easy, too, which is obviously something they were going for. But it was a crazy colorway. Like, it was. Oh, all right. It is Foot Patrol. I thought it was. Yeah, yeah, Foot Patrol. That's right. So I didn't know if it was an accidental drop or messed up. Like, sizes were sold out. But, like, it kept letting me add stuff to the card, but it wouldn't let me check out. So I was like, all right, we'll forget mm-hmm. that or whatever. Because I was like, yo, you get your hands on those quick. And if those are a special colorway or something, they could do something. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. What comes out this week? Uh, Well, the Ky- – I'm not Kyrie. Kyrie comes out tomorrow. Kawhi came out today. Um, Apparently another NASA, Paul George – Shoe came either came out today or comes out tomorrow. But he needs his own Tom Satch, like his own Tom Satch. <laughs> they, might, they might as well give him a Tom. That, that might be what they were gonna get uh, for, towards. They have you to. never know. He needs to go to space camp. Um, those Nike Golf uh, Air Max ones that came out, those are kind of dope. Now, the green with the fire. Yeah, if I could get those for about forty nine dollars, I might cop. All uh, golf shoes should be forty nine dollars. <laughs> All right. Um, if there's a shoe that gets trashed here. more than any sport, it's a golf shoe. I don't know what you had planned on putting on the list, but Skeleton Air Max One or Air Force mm. Ones come out. You sign up for those? Man. Bro, what? Are you crazy? You better Man. sign up for them. If, look, you being a high beast reseller, you better sign up for those. I'm trying for my brother-in-law, but them joints, they fly. Okay, right. maybe there's more than one coming out, but these are only $165 resale. I don't need that. That's okay. Doing a lot of work for $10. Uh, Undefeated 90-pack comes out, apparently. Um... Uh, SB Dunk High collab with 40% against rights, whoever that is, what comes out. What the heck out is that? The, like, like? different tongue. It's like a Jordan 6 tongue or something on a on a dunk. Oh, get that out of here. I saw that. Oh, yes, it sucks. But That's you crazy. You said, what is that? So I'm showing you a picture. No, that joint looks like looks like civil rights. That joint looks crazy. <laughs> I don't like those. I don't know if you're allowed to say that, but okay. Scratch that. <laughs> second mark. Uh, size uh, Skate High Halloween collab is coming out. Size question mark. What that look like? They got a collab too. Dang. What that? Ooh, them is kind of fire. What that mouth do? Okay, That's what you sound like when you said that. Them man. joints are fire. I never right. seen those. Before. What? Chill out, you don't think them is clean? I mean, I need to zoom in. But they are right. <laughs> well, you need to zoom in then. Why are you saying that? They look like some straight out of the Joker catalog. I mean, they got. Oh yeah, those suck. They all right. Thank you. They they cool. Okay. The Joker catalog. Ooh, I can't wait for chaos to come out. Uh, and the Jordan One High OG 3.0 Shattered comes out. Men's and kids sizes. Mm, you got them? Uh, I'm gonna try for a small size. Obviously, probably be unsuccessful, but that's all right. Um, Ooh, I don't know if you saw the comments, boy. Somebody don't like you. So you're sick of George. You're just a reseller. He's a high beast. That person will be absolutely right, and I've never, and I've never denied it. it I don't care. Nah, nah. And I, I told him. I said, I said, look, George likes what he likes. I like what I like. I said, George has over 300 sneakers at his house. He he likes what he likes, and he keeps <laughs> what he likes. He's like you're just a high beast reseller. Look, man. I'm a hater. People know that. I mean, what do they expect? I told him. I said, it's part of the show. We actually mean what we say. Like, George ain't acting. Yeah, <laughs> I don't care. Don't care. I don't, you get mad at me. I don't care. Yeah, George don't care. Um, Harden 4 comes out, I guess. Pink Lemonade. Uh, YouTube <laughs> YouTube KD12 comes out. Start doing uh, spit sounds when they suck. 
Shoe you might want. Cortez Halloween shoe comes out. Cortez Day of the Dead. And, and, and like Air black. Force One, low Day of the Dead. Uh, the Air Force One I saw, eh, they came out this morning. Not really a fan of those. Probably in Europe, though, I would imagine. Uh, hmm, that's like 3M something on it. Man, you got me a little worried now. Why not sign up for a lot of rifles for them skeleton feet? Air Force Ones. Mm. Mm. I did it for my brother-in-law, but I ain't trying to end up with five pairs. Mm. And I'm just a clean dude. They glow in the dark of the soul. I'm is cool. Wish they were white, though. The white one that had the skeleton last year, that was better. Though. All right. Uh, apparently, another Yeezy Boost 700 comes out. I haven't even seen these yet, I don't think. Or maybe I saw them and didn't realize what it was. What color is Teal? this? Anxiety gray? What is yeah, this? I mean, pretty much. Man, you don't get that out of here. Teal blue? There might be. Oh, there, <laughs> I think there has to be at least 60-plus colorways, 70, 80 of every model, 700s, V2s. There might be. 50 of just v2s now like there is a lot <laughs> and concepts Kyrie 5 orion's belt collab comes out this weekend i don't really care for those they're not better than the first Kyrie. uh no no, no. the first one might be the best Kyrie 5 that came out it's a possibly possibility yeah, that might be the best one uh my son has the white and green like that st patrick's day one just pack you were dope. talking about comes out that you say came out last year i think you're wrong about that by the way what the one looks like the Hirachi and the Hirachi. Yeah, looks they, like the they one. came out separately though, because I've seen pictures of people Instagram post pictures of wearing the Hirachi before. They came out separately. This is coming with a double box pack. You get both. Then why aren't these? Why can't you find them for sale anywhere? Then like I've definitely seen websites. those before. Oh. Unless maybe I think you make a story. Though. Maybe they talked about it way back then. They just haven't released yet. Maybe that's what I saw. I, I don't think, know. Yeah, I think but it was definitely a while ago. Well, we talked about it. I think like why are they? What day is October twenty ninth? Uh, Tuesday. Okay, Tuesday. so before we have another show, the red carpets come out. Mm. So it doesn't test doesn't technically come out this week, but um, and I, I and not knowing when we had that conversation last week, I wouldn't have bought Seattle tens for red carpets. So Actually, I don't know. I know. I don't know. I feel like red carpets are necessary, man. Red carpets are fire. Huh? And it's probably the better colorway LeBron 7. You're only saying that because you got the one. new pants. That's the only, huh? reason. The only reason you're saying Bruh. that because you have new pants. If you don't get, if you don't get if on. If you're not copping these, you're an actual fool. Don't. Not copping and can cop are two different things. I'm definitely not buying an entire pack for like three twenty-five. So i am not buying a pack. You don't think you have to, don't you? I have no idea, but I'm not buying on the a pack. On the retail side, you have to buy the pack. Now, if you want to buy them separately on any other webs on GOAT, that's cool. I'll go in a store and slap somebody. Mm. <laughs> that's the sound <laughs> when the, 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 <laughs> the cable go out. Um, what else? That's it? Uh, yeah, so this what this says is Nike released the DNA CH1 pack in June, 19, in June 2019, but I think it was different colors. No, it was those. It was reverse. No, it can't be because this says this rendition of the sneaker swaps. It couldn't reverse because that's the they, that's what they did. They reversed it now. Fam, I'm reading the thing right here. All right, B. Maybe you're right. I don't know. I've seen those shoes a long time ago. That's how I put it. And we were like, what, man? Now you're going to put Air Force, Air Max 1 colorways on Hirachi, Hirachi colorways? Like, this, where's the creativity in that? But them Air Max 1s, though, it was a fire, though. Yes. The Rachi yeah. isn't too bad either, to tell you the truth. Yeah, the, it didn't. It, there, there's no other Air Max One on here that in for sale. Mm. It comes out the 27th. Oh, shout which out is to them. Sunday, 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 Sunday. Before we get to NBA, NBA. Son. Well, let me let me go ahead and read the NBA has begun. Let me go ahead and take care of our 
homies over at goat.com slash sneak this. If you are buying sneakers online, there is more than a coin flips chance that the shoe you're looking at is fake. How can you be sure it's real? Goat.com is the safest way to buy and sell authentic sneakers online. These are facts. They are they are the largest marketplace in the world for authentic Yeezys, Jordans, and over it says 600,000, but it's way more than 600,000 now. They got to at least be in a million right now of sneaker listings. They've made the whole process frictionless and trustworthy. These are facts. We buy, we do everything through GOAT. Um, they do this by only accepting sellers with the best reputation and by verifying all sneakers to ensure their authenticity for buyers. Every detail is inspected from the stitching and color to the size and weight. GOAT certifies that every pair of sneakers on their site matches exact factory factory specifications with over half a million sneakers on the platform and 10 million users you won't find better prices for verified 100 authentic sneakers anywhere else find the perfect 100 authentic sneaker at goat.com slash sneak this that's goat.com slash sneak this like we say every single week you'll be supporting our show by going to the site go to the site look around find a classic find something that brings a memory to you a feeling to you Find something that you wanted way back in the day and find it for a great price. They got them on there. They sell brand new and pre-owned sneakers. A lot of other sites don't. Now, before the sneakers are gone that you want, man, get on there quick. Like I said, when you go to goat.com slash sneak disc, that's spelled G-O-A-T dot com slash sneak disc. Get on there and cop. They got stuff on you. I've been on there. I've been on Goat putting a lot of Asics, like classic ones, in my, in my little watch list or whatever it's called because... Yes, in your locker. I've been wearing. I almost said locker. <laughs> I almost said that thing about Nike ID, but nah. There's a lot of classic aces on there. Some really good prices. I'm trying to catch somebody slipping. B. So when I'm joining, you see me come through with lava fives, jelly fives. You're gonna be like, okay. I'm gonna tell you go.com slash dig this B. NBA started, fam. Did you watch any last night? Hold on, before you get to NBA, did you uh, watch World Series last night? Hold on. Uh, no, I don't watch nothing. Um, what was last night? Tuesday. Yeah. Tuesday. I traveled back on Monday. Oh, yeah, the meeting last night. Tuesday. Oh, that's right. I had a meeting till like about 8.30. And then I had to go pick Hannah up because the car's in the shop and my car don't start. So I might be you. You're making fun of you for the Jaguar. You might can make fun of me for my car. Anyways, bruh, if these Astros don't get it together, I'm going to fly off the handle. I swear. You know what's crazy is you hate bruh. the Astros. <laughs> no, I don't hate the Astros. I hate the Montreal Expos, and if they win one more game in this series, I'm gonna lose it. They're gonna win the World I dislike, Series. I dislike play. whoever the Dodgers play. So, it, like, if the Dodgers lose to some team that I they shouldn't lose to, then I then I start hating that team. But that's not the reason why I'm annoyed with the the, the Expos players. They, they're not that good. Oh no, they're not. That's Howie the Kendrick is trash the last three years and all of a sudden now he's Babe Ruth. The what are we doing? The way they started the season off is how they should have ended the season off. They're, they're not that good of a team. The reason why I don't like the Nationals now is because there's been other years where I thought they were way better teams. And I thought like, oh, okay, this might be the year. I fell for that about two or three times since the Nationals have existed. Like, you know what? This might be the time. Oh, yeah, everyone nope, has. This might be the time. I fell for it back then. This is why like they're, they're in my list of like them, the Falcons, <laughs> like other teams. Where I'm like, <coughs> I hate them. Like the Texans, I hate them because there's times where I really put my faith and thought, like, whoo, they up next, and they it let me down. Listen, I can't go for the Nationals now. Listen, Rendon is leaving. They're not going to re-sign Rendon, so he's gone. 
more than likely one of the pitchers is going to be gone at some point because they're not going to be able to afford to resign him. Strasburg might opt out and he might be gone. Sorry, Expos. This is your last season. All right. No, no, it is. I understand Soto's 20 years old. The rest of the team is trash. Howie Kendrick's about to be 900 years old. Zimmerman's about to be 900 years old. Zimmerman is a chalk outline as far as I'm concerned, and he hit two of the biggest home runs of the postseason, and Howie Kendrick hit the other one. Okay, but the thing is, is two that chalk when outlines. it comes to baseball, it seems like there's no real definition of, like, a good team. Like, In the playoffs, that's, <laughs> that's true seem like because it. it's a random game. I mean, if someone's you, throwing a ball at you 100 miles an hour, you hit it, you do. If you don't hit it, you don't. Yeah, but see, saying that with baseball playoffs is different because you play a series. It's not like a one game. Like, it doesn't matter. It's still random. It's just like hockey. Yeah, it's random, but, like, random – the only fades away a little bit the, in listen, a series. The only two football that's random. Listen. You play one game. The Titans could go out there and mop the Patriots one day, and you'd be like, "What the heck?" Like that's like that's random. No, no. Thing. But the difference in those sports, basketball and football, is someone has the ball in their hand, and they get to determine where the ball goes using their hand. In baseball, you're holding a bat, and you have to hit a ball coming at you. Same thing in hockey. You have a stick and you're hitting the puck. So the the accuracy of the game you're playing, the control that one player has over the game, and the random the the, the control that one person has lowers and the randomness increases in those games. Oh, of course. Which is why in shorter spans, five game series, seven game series, anyone can win. You could have pull a team up out that had like eighty wins and they could beat the Astros in a series. I'm sure it happened during the year. But that's not my issue. My issue is, I think, more than anything, it's not that I dislike any of the Nats players. Expos, excuse me. I refuse to call them that. I, it's not that I dislike the players, like, personally or whatever. And with a lot of teams, I don't dislike the players. I don't like, and we've talked about this a million times, I don't like overperformance by people who have no business overperforming. That's one of my biggest pet peeves in sports. This must be your nightmare series. Because <laughs> you don't like I mean, that about them. You don't like that about listen, them either. Listen, the Expos won 95 games or 94 games or whatever, and they had a, a good run differential. So it's not like the San Francisco Giants when they were winning World Series or the St. Louis Cardinals when they were winning World Series with like 87 win teams. It's not that bad. But – this Astros team and the Dodgers team that they beat were two of the best teams in baseball history in the regular season. And if they yeah. beat both of them, it will be one of the most inexplicable World Series championships ever. Anyways, back to the point I was trying to make. I don't dislike any of the Expos players. What I dislike is people now coming back out with their predictions from like preseason that say, oh, the Nats are in the World Series or the Nats are going to win it. When guess what? In May, you wrote them off. I guarantee you I can go back to every single one of those people's timelines who's, who picked the Nats to be where they are right now. And then and in May, they're like, oh, well, that pick's down the drain. Yeah. I don't like people like that. I mean, look, it happens. Baseball is one of those sports we've talked about it before on this podcast. Plenty of time. You can go on a 16-game losing streak and then go on a 25-game. Like, it, it, it jumps so quick because so many teams <coughs> – <coughs> which I guess plays into the randomness. So many teams can start off so high, and you'd be like, man, they've been first all, all to all-star break, and then they don't even make the playoffs. They could fall off just that quick, which shifts up, line, or you know, who's in first and second, just like that. Yankees, I would have thought the Yankees was guaranteed to win it this year. I would have thought that. Now, statistically speaking, and Dodgers winning the most games, like, this is the most game they ever won in a season, I think, this year, right? Mm -hmm. What, 103, whatever it was? No, 106. 106. Them doing that, I would have loved to say that, but I just don't I don't trust them yet in the playoffs. Now, the Nationals, I don't have a problem with them winning it now 
because that to me plays in with coaching, like management, coaching stuff like that. Yeah, I look at this he's team. He's not a good manager though. People were ready. They were ready. They knew. They didn't like him at first, but like no, no, he's this isn't his first year. I know that. I'm saying that they were ready to get rid of. I know that when when the season first started, they started what 19 and yeah, 31 19 and, or something. Yeah, whatever something the like case that. was, they were ready to get rid 19 of 19 and 33. I don't even like think that. a lot of players. I don't think like not Strasburg, homeboy, uh, other pitcher, old man. Scherzer. Scherzer. I don't think he definitely doesn't like him. I think. I think I seen someone trying to scrap him one time. Anyways, he's not a good manager. Anyway, well, I don't know he's that. Not a good There's a difference. If you could pull a team that that the doesn't Cubs, have, j- listen, if you could pull listen, a team listen. that doesn't have the talent listen. that we're used to seeing on all these other teams, listen, you can't say someone's not a good manager. The Cubs, listen, I don't look at the Celtics. This like the Celtics. The Cubs just fired Joe Madden. People seem to think Joe Madden is one of the greatest. Joe Girardi doesn't have a job. People seem to think Joe Madden is one of the greatest managers of all time. <laughs> Baseball, not all time. Baseball, great manager doesn't exist because the players essentially do your job for you. The managers in baseball only control so many things. They can control the bullpen and pinch hitters, and that's it. They don't control as much as in basketball. Was listen in baseball, if you could sub freely and a guy was didn't exit the game permanently, then there might be a little more strategy because you can match things up and do whatever. And then if you fail, you fail. But in basketball and football, where you can sub freely, you can set your matchups and whatnot, and you have more control over like diagramming plays, X's and O's, it makes much easier to evaluate someone. But in baseball, where you don't have very little control over the game as a manager, the the best managers, number one, they're probably managing egos in the clubhouse. That's very important. And then understanding when to bring bullpen guys in and knowing how numbers work. This guy is a left-handed hitter. He, Even though he's left-handed, he hits left-handed pitchers really well, so I'm going to bring a righty in to face him. If you know stuff like that and you know when your pitchers are tired, you're a good manager. But it, this thing about, like, you know, like Aaron Boone is good or A.J. Hinch is good, all these dudes have also been managers of terrible teams at some point or another. I don't want to... Okay, well, he's been a manager for one year, a year and a half or whatever it is. I mean, whatever. All these arguments about, like, good manager, it doesn't exist in baseball. Same thing in hockey. If you look long-term, most of the people that they call best whatever are probably, like, 500 record overall. Because, yes, you might have a year where you win, where you score in hockey, you have 110 points. Then you might have a year when you have 80 points. Like, Scotty Bowman is a Hall of Famer probably, but... And he's got multiple championships, but he probably also has three or four times when he's been fired. You know what I mean? It just is what it is. I mean, you don't see stuff like that, like with Greg Popovich. And uh, in other words, the difference between a great coach or great manager in basketball and football is obvious, whereas in baseball and hockey, it's not. Okay, that Pop- sounds better than Popovich, that you don't then. That you Popovich doesn't get fired. Uh, Belichick doesn't get fired ever. He did from the Jets, but then he figured out how to be incredible with what he's got in New England. Um, there just are people. Phil Jackson would never get fired. He left on his own terms. Red Auerbach would never get fired. He left on, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, that's but, just how it is in those sports. Yeah, but that sounds better then. You can't visually see the control and the power that the manager has over a team's win or losses as much as you can over basketball and football. I agree with that. But I think I think baseball might have more than hockey. Hockey is a hard one. Now there's shifts. There's all kind of stuff that you do. <clears throat> I mean, and looking at a player, seeing if you got it today, right hand, left hand pitchers, pitch hitting, all that type of stuff. There's a lot of things you could do, but I do think this is a prime example of good management because I think egos in a sense like that, especially playing as much as baseball players do, 
it can go downhill extremely fast. Like, and especially considering the fact that nobody likes him, it seems like. I'm not sure how much the players really like him, but he held everybody together and got the actual maximum effort out of them. Listen, listen. Now, winning does if, help the situation. Yes, if Cody Bellinger performed in the playoffs like he did in the regular season, no one would be asking Dave Roberts to be fired. Dave Roberts hasn't had a, a season this year or a season yet in his career where he's lost or won fewer than 92 games or whatever. But would you call him like a spectacular manager? I wouldn't. I mean, based on especially based on what he did in Game Five with Kershaw and the other arms he had in the bullpen. See, that's a good example of control. Like that was a bad decision. That was bad. Multiple bad decisions. Leaving Joe but, Kelly in. Right, but that's, it's hard. That's my point. The guy has never lost fewer than ninety-two games, but he's not going to blow you away with his decision-making prowess. But I look at that as like, how can I blame him? It's it's the it's when it comes to the Dodgers, it's the same players. All the time that we like get disappointed in when it comes to playoff time, like every single year, it's like the exact same ones Dude, we that's look for. The point that I'm making is the players decide how good the manager really looks. I mean, I guess. I mean, it, I look at somebody like when um, uh, who won the World Series with the Cubs? Was it Madden? Yes, Madden. Madden. When he won the World Series with the Cubs, that's I think that was a big difference. And also having homeboy from the general manager from the Red Sox at the time. Like, I think that stuff does matter. Like, there's decisions and people that, like, fit certain spots. That's why with, like, Verlander and all they them. They're basically the same team, and they won, like, 85 games this year. <clears throat> 87 games or whatever. I mean, it, it's basically the same roster. They're Yes, they're two years older, three years older or whatever. It's basically the same roster. Maybe the pitching staff's a little bit different. They have all the same guys in their lineup. And their lineup actually may have been better now than it was back then. Might have been better. Because Baez is better than he was, <coughs> and so is Contreras. Now, some of those guys may have been hurt, but may have been injured. But that's what I'm saying is, like, it, I, the argument for great manager in baseball is never going to resonate with me because it's not a game that you can affect with tons of decisions like other games are. It's just not. You're, the, for the most part, a manager doesn't do anything in the first six innings of a game. For the most part. Uh, you're pretty much right. We'll now, you have to set your lineup to begin to start the game, and you have to know your defensive shifts and that kind of stuff and how to pitch to certain guys. But you have 25 million assistant coaches to help you with that. You have a pitching coach, a bullpen coach, um, bench coaches, a third base coach, a first base. You know what I mean? You have all these people to help you and management above you to tell you especially in analytical organizations like the Astros and the Dodgers. Hey, this dude pulls the ball 49% of the time. Shift. This dude hits to the opposite field 50% of the time. Shift. You know what I mean? Like, <clears throat> Well, Astros better get themselves together. Uh, an in-game, manage, in-game managing of things is much more difficult in basketball and football, and I give those guys a lot more credit than I would give a baseball manager. And at the same time, a baseball manager doesn't deserve as much blame because he's not really doing that much except pitching changes. I mean, oh, yeah. See, I like that too. Then. See, that's why with Dave Roberts, I don't I don't blame him. Like, there were, like, of course, it was a bad decision. Like, there was a couple bad decisions. But it's like, look, man, this team won the most games they've ever won before. Like, what is so different now? So I don't blame him. I don't think he should be fired. I don't think if they got Joe Girardi or if Madden didn't go to Angels or whatever, they'd be better. I don't think so. Like, they still got the same people. If they don't spend any money this year, they're not going to be even better. But spending money doesn't mean nothing. I mean, the freaking Nationals, I mean, look, the the, the Devil Rays, they make the, they make the playoffs this year. They they the lowest, the wild card game. They got, like, the lowest payroll in the, in, the, in the entire league. So it's like there is a such thing as good decisions and there is a good yeah, thing of baseball. Yeah, front office, absolutely. I don't know. Astros front better get themselves together. Scouting department and front office – 
affects a lot more, in my opinion, than management. They're the ones who are out there getting the players, getting the information on the players back to um, the decision makers in the front office. This kid has this curveball. This kid fastball. This kid, um, his swing is short, compact through the zone. You know what I mean? That if, kind of the, if the – if the Nationals lose the World Series this year, and then if obviously the Dodgers don't win it next year, if the Nationals win it next year, I'd be fine with it. I'd be okay with it then. They'll never get back ever again. I don't know. <laughs> we'll see. I'll the, tell you they'll this. They'll never be back in my lifetime. Oh, I don't know about that. I mean, you know. Now, there's only one team that I can know for they 100% have, fact. They have historical one of the greatest pitchers in baseball history right now in Scherzer. 100% fact. Might be the greatest. <laughs> he is phenomenal. No, Kershaw is still the greatest. And of then all you time, and you have uh, Strasburg was probably the one of the most sought out pitchers. Like he was, yeah, the most geez, hype, the most hype baseball player in history, yeah, ever. Yeah. And before he got injured as much as he did, shoulder and all. It's amazing that he's still playing. To be honest with you, I mean, my Zimmer. I watched Zimmerman play when I was interning in DC. Like he's been there since what? Oh five? Oh four? Now he's a corpse. I mean, no, he's, he's playing good now. Look at his regular season numbers from this year. He's a below-replacement-level level player. Right. He has no business playing in the playoffs, and they're getting that out of him. Okay. Let's just put it that way. Well, I'm going to tell you something that don't matter. is regular season when you're hitting home runs in the playoffs. Right, the regular season matters if that's your performance level going forward. Because right. what else do you have to base it on? If you saw someone perform terribly for six months, you're not going to all of a sudden be like, you know what? I just, he's due. That's not how it works. The sample size of 500 plate appearances is not small. It's not small, but like no you said, no you have a million assistant coaches. I believe in pitching coaches and batting coaches and all that. If there's one sport that I believe, I don't believe in assistant coaches on basketball teams. I don't if believe in on football bat, teams. If someone's been bad over 500 plate appearances, why would you believe all of a sudden they're going to be better? I'm not saying I believe they'll be better, but when they get better, I'm not shocked by it. You get extremely shocked by somebody who sucked one day and is good one day. No, no. 500 plate appearances is not one day. It's an entire season. That's fine. Verlander, when he was with uh, Detroit and whatever, and started falling off, clearly, yes. and he goes to the Astros. And Multiple seasons, his velocity went like this. Right. Like not just, it's not a small sample. That's three years. That's fine. That's 600 innings. That's fine. So you shouldn't expect it to magically get better. Don't expect it. I'm not shocked if it does. Like, That's Yo, not there how you go. it works when you're 35 years old. It's not a, okay, look. It's not how it works. Initially, when you get older and you start in the decline, yes, father time and all that is undefeated. But when it happens, people are happens. people are acting like, oh yeah, sure, Kershaw's decline. Kershaw's younger than the majority of the people that people think is a better pitcher than he is. The fact that he's declining at thirty-one and some of these Zach Granke's almost forty. I guarantee, if Kershaw went to another team, he would be. Domin- uh, phenomenal again. Uh, I don't know about another team. If you went to the right. Astros, he would start throwing 98 miles an hour because that's just what's in the Hundreds, water. One on one. There, so. uh, NBA started. Kyrie, 50 tonight. Burger. Wait, I'm sorry, what? Lost, but he got a 50 burger. Oh, then I don't care about it no more. <laughs> Once you get these things, I don't care about it. Now, it was dope. I saw the highlight where he made that layup and he on the and all three Timberwolves players fell on the ground. He made the layup and he went one, two, three. And walked off. That's dope. I didn't see it, but you shouldn't care because they lost. So You're right, because just like Devin Booker scored 70 in, in Boston and everyone was losing their minds out here, they lost. All right. Scoring 70 points and losing should be impossible. It should be. Like, that's over half. Anyways, NBA started. I'm excited for it. That last night Lakers game, I don't know if you caught any of it getting home. That Lakers game, Clippers game, might have been the most energy I had seen at a, a basketball game or watching on TV 
I, I couldn't tell you the last time. I don't time. think I got home till 9.30. I got off work. I had to drive pick Hannah. up. about 10. I had to pick Hannah up at Higley in the 60. Oh, and then come all the way back home. Get dinner. Come back home. Get dinner. And then go home. I drove past Alma School a few weeks ago. Felt like I was in the new world. Bro. That's because you live in California. Uh-huh. All right. Settle down. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm hyped for it. That Lake, Like I said, that Lakers-Clippers game last night was so electric. It was crazy. The number one pick is out two months. Oh, who's who's excited? I mean. The and, what? And, and Duran is out. And uh, and light-skinned man is out. How, how is anyone excited about this season? Which light-skinned man? <laughs> Golden about? State Warriors light-skinned. Oh. <laughs> I'm like I'm not a whole bunch of them thinking I'm thinking of. Um, I mean, look, that's three teams. There's still, bro. There's too much movement. You cannot be saying you're not excited to watch the Rockets. See what they do. I mean, I'm already on PJ Tucker's stat watch. All right, I'm already getting ready. So yeah, but that's you don't got to watch the game. You just look bro, at the box score. After I am the game. definitely interested in seeing Westbrook and Harden out there at the same time. I mean, having Westbrook having an option to pass the ball to Harden or Aaron Houston, Gordon, listen, or you Houston, know, Houston has reached the point where they like play really fast, but it's still boring. It's like the anti Spurs. The Spurs used to be the most boring team in the league because they played slow. Now Houston is like the most boring team in the league because they play fast. And it's just like, okay, we get it, man. You go play fast. You shoot a lot of threes. You bored. you create a new move where you jump off one foot. I mean, <laughs> it's boring. Person, it man. is boring. I mean, what, it's, there's nothing exciting about it. Are you willing to say that Jordan Brand is cursed though? No. I mean, what more do you need? <laughs> like, what more do you need, man? The, the, the brand is cursed. I mean, what, what? You sign with the brand, you get cursed. Huh? <laughs> what, what evidence have you provided of an actual curse? I mean, huh. will you act like I'm crazy to say no. I'm about to go. Saying no. I'm about to go hit up like MIT or somebody put together some type of. The most ridiculous thing about the Harvard. whole thing was their their front office coming out and saying like, "Oh, his body type is not what's responsible for this. He can play at nine percent body fat." Man, if y'all don't get Zion down to four or five percent body fat, I swear to God, I'm slapping everybody. Though he is not playing. No player in NBA history has had that frame. So if if people mm, think no, who, Barkley has now Barkley, Barkley wasn't Barkley, as explosive as him. Barkley didn't weigh 280 pounds. Barkley weighed 295 at one point. No, he did not. Barkley's probably three inches shorter than Zion. That's fine, but Barkley weighed 295 at one time. That's Facts. Now he wasn't as explosive. He wasn't. When he doing was forty years old, shooting threes and not running fast. What are you talking about? Either way, it doesn't. He wasn't as. No, no, no. He no. At one point, he got down to like two forty. I think one Barkley time. Barkley was never that heavy. Well, I think Guaranteed. we can look it up. I think we was. Guaranteed. Never. I, either way, Barkley just wasn't as explosive as a Zion. He, he wasn't was. doing look the at same highlights thing. of his Philly days. He was jumping. That's different. That was young. He wasn't. Like, he wasn't Zion. It's not the same. Jumping and dunking and running and fast and like that is not the same as Zion. Zion looks like he's being shot out of a medieval catapult when he moves. And All if right. you watch highlights of Barkley, it looked the same. He Barkley was never as big. He was never didn't look as portly. Bar- when Barkley played for the Sixers, he actually appeared oh, in big. shape. Oh yeah, he was he was flying across the floor. Him and and if you're him. talking about he played a season at 290 or whatever, when he's with you're 40 years old with the Suns and I don't know shoot the threes, I don't care. You're not moving anywhere. I don't know if that was the case. I'm gonna look it up. I'm gonna look it up. I guarantee you. And I'll put money on the line. Charles Barkley never played a season with the Sixers anywhere. Oh no, over not with the Sixers. Two forty. Not with the Sixers, and he still balled out with the Suns. Don't act like he was with the Suns and like was like the shell of himself. Who said that? He wasn't dunking on people and doing what he was doing with the Sixers. Well, he was getting about twenty-five rebounds every once in a while, twenty rebounds and stuff. He was still balling. I mean, sure, you when you weigh nine thousand pounds, you block somebody out. 
Look, Zion. Oh, and shout out to Chris. No Weber, one has ever the closest team. body type to Zion in the NBA is LeBron, and the, and I guarantee you LeBron's body fat percentage is half of Zion's. Oh yeah. Zion is not going to be able to play in the NBA at this weight, size, whatever. And the team coming out and saying that is absolutely ridiculous. And they think like, oh, there's some happy medium that we'll come to with like um, sports science where like, like the, the example they use was Blake Griffin. Bruh, Blake Griffin was shredded when he was in college. Are you kidding me? Okay. Zion looks like he's one pizza away from 400 pounds. <laughs> Look, I talked about this already when I did the episode by myself. Look, I've seen it before. All right, his explosiveness is of it. It, it, it is. We're talking about like players like let's, we're talking about Stoudemire. We talk about Blake Griffin. We're talking about players who were never as big as him, have knee problems, and they had the Listen. same explosiveness and stuff. So somebody, which we've all said before, he got drafted Duke everywhere. The weight. And his explosiveness is going to be his downfall. Stoudemire, them, not even nowhere close looking like him, but they had listen, the same explosiveness. Him, getting, him getting injured is that one thing. That landing? Listen, him getting injured is one thing. The team coming out and saying what they said after the fact is what is annoying. They have no business saying any of that. None. I mean, they got, they got, they got to back him up. They might not think it. No, they, no. All they had to say was, hey, guess what? We're, he's going to rehab, and he's going to be fine in two months. That's it. Yes, I know, but they got to show it. face. Look, behind That's closed it. doors, you say whatever you want. Like, on the media, you run it back. It's like, look. That's it. It's just like if everybody's wrong. And in the meantime, while he, while he's rehabbing, they should be giving him nothing but fruits and veggies and getting him in shape. I'm sure they are. I'm sure he's eating a few beignets and stuff, too, as well. You got to balance it out. Uh, look, we'll see. Uh, but don't say He it. needs to be playing at 4%. With his size and and what he relies on. It's too late. It's not too late. It's a meniscus. It's not ACL. It's completely different. Oh, no, no. I'm talking about with the weight thing. It's too late. Uh, well, because he had the opportunity over the look summer. Look at Kevin Love. What are you talking about? It's too late. Kevin Love was uh, Sasquatch when he played at UCLA. Okay. But, mm, well, Kevin Love uh, yeah, suffered from a lot of mental Stuff that we've learned about, like I don't. And that's fine. The point I'm making is, an adult male can lose weight and get in shape to better themselves for a career. If Kevin Love would have tried to play in the NBA at that weight, he wouldn't have been able to guard me. They could now, considering how much running and basketball he does right now, you would think he wouldn't be. And I don't know, you know. Listen, NBA. We don't know what NBA teams do behind the scenes. I guarantee you, it ain't much. They're working with their personal trainer. I highly doubt that NBA franchises have guys running stairs and doing plyometrics at practice. They're not doing suicides. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure we can guarantee that. I'm excited for the season. I've never again, been so excited for again, basketball. Him season. getting injured is one thing, and if they just came out and were like, "Yo, we're gonna rehab him, and he's gonna be brand new, good as new in two months," I'd be totally fine with it. But them coming out and saying we're gonna get his body to like whatever technical nah, just medical talk. stuff, that, they were like. We're going to get his body into that stasis just like Blake Griffin when he came in the league. <laughs> Bruh, Blake Griffin was shredded when he came in the league. Their body types are nothing alike. Blake Griffin is 6'10". Zion was measured in socks at like six six and a half. And he was a... Uh, 285. Are you kidding me? Look, man, that's what makes the, the allure. That's the allure. This is what he's able Complete to do Complete nonsense. That. And if he wants a long career, he'll commit to doing that because it well, shouldn't he be better. He's eight nineteen. It should not be difficult for him to lose that weight and trim up. If he becomes nothing of what we expected or what they needed, 
Will you believe in the well, drum we break already, curse? We already know he is, though. You saw him play in the preseason. He was scoring 27 points a game on, like, 12 shots, 10 shots. Don't get hurt, and I'm we know and, what he is. I'm sick and tired of people saying that he's had this injury before. High school, he's been injured in college. And Look, man. That could be the reason why you get injured more now, because you've been playing for so long and got I'm injured not, in the past. Li- listen, I'm not listening to <laughs> nobody who doesn't know him personally talk about he's had this in the past or had that in the past. The thing we know is he's out two months. If he was healthy, he wouldn't be out two months. That's a period, bottom line. I could tell you this. The team is not wasting two – like, it, I mean, it's the equivalent of saying Ben Simmons – was held out for a year, or uh, Nuggets man was held out for a year as a redshirt year because the team didn't. No, if the kid was healthy, they would be selling tickets. These are businesses. They don't care about the kid's long-term health. They care about selling tickets now, hopefully building a winner down the line. These are, it's the same thing we've been saying about the NFL. These teams are businesses. They don't care about all this other stuff people think they care about. Is it right? No, but that doesn't mean that we should expect it to be different. Well, I definitely think the Clippers are coming out of the West now. That's all. I'll put oh, it. one game turns you into that. Huh? Let me tell you, if you out there with your almost your entire squad, I think we picked the Clippers. No, me, he, I me picked the Lakers. Andy. No, me and yeah, Andy. yeah, I picked the the Lakers. But you got Anthony Davis and LeBron and Dwight Howard. You're only missing Rondo. Kuzma didn't play. Last and you night, got right? Green. No, Kuzma, Kuzma didn't play. You right, but they don't got Paul George out there, and you get. Yeah, but there's a lot worked. of times when you add a star and it doesn't work out. So I'm not going to I'm not going to say like cuz that's all I saw last night was oh my god, the Clippers are going to add Paul George to this. What if it has a negative effect? Yeah, but see Paul George has a different type of game. Like if you can make it work a little bit with Russell Westbrook, then he'd be all right. Like Kawhi isn't like it, uh, that's fine. I'm not saying I'm just saying sometimes you add someone who needs shots and oh, it doesn't work. It might not work with Anthony Davis and LeBron James cuz it literally look a little funny out there sometimes. Um, NFL picks this week. I think that team is going to be fine because Danny oh, Green is fine. way better than people give him credit oh, for. Oh, his shooting and his defense he is, is, way, is better. way better. He has been the key player on championship teams on two for different years. teams. Spurs, Spurs and, and Raptors. Yeah, and Toronto. But your boy Van Helsing, oh my God, he was balling last night. I'll wait to see it. Man, for, you don't got, for, him and Siakam? For an entire season. Him and Siakam? Bruh, They're not they, winning a championship, okay? Okay, no. And people are mad at you, said they weren't getting the playoffs. I saw it. <laughs> I don't know if I said that or not. I said they're not making it. I said they're not you winning a championship. You said they sucks. Like, yeah, but the East, we know the East sucks. Right. Um, NBA, NFL picks. I will tell you this now, and I... You have the schedule, or do I need to look it up again? You got to look it up. I will tell you this, and I'm going to maintain this. Uh, I, I'm the worst NFL... <laughs> not even a question. I, I almost lost every single game that I picked on the podcast. I almost lost every single one. <laughs> the only one that I won was I think I won like thirty five bucks sports betting. It was a long weekend, and I went. And the the worst part about it, I was in Tahoe. The app GPS did not work correctly. The hotel I was at it was on the state line, but it's clearly in Nevada side. And even we went a little bit further into Nevada one night to go to dinner, and the app still thought I was in the state of California and would not allow me to live bet. That's that. So. I think I lost a lot of opportunity. Like I was looking at Twitter today and I was like, oh my God, these all, cause I follow a lot of people who do gambling. And I was like, these dudes are getting these live lines and these games. So I'm a little bit upset about that. But anyways, I grinded for two and a half days or two days or whatever, two and a half days. Cause Friday night and end up up $35 in sports. Not ideal, but it's better than losing. The anyways, only one I continue. won, the only one I won was Colts beating Texans. <coughs> and, I don't remember what I picked. That was pretty much it. Because I didn't do the 
I forgot to do that. <clears throat> I mean, I picked I picked the Eagles to beat my Cowboys, and we destroyed them. Right. Like, I don't know what we're doing. I picked Patriots over Jets. Yeah, I How was it. I kind of had a feeling. Well, I picked the Cowboys to win, but I kind of yeah, had a did. feeling they were going to win. I was going to parlay money line parlay Cowboys and uh, the Ducks that night because it was the last two games of Sunday. And I was just wanted some action, and I and we were going to. All right, pause. Look <laughs> on your face. Yes, and we were going to dinner, so I was like, "Eh, you know what? This is better." And Anaheim was favored, and and all the sharp money, like the pro money, was on Anaheim. And they lost two to one. The Flames on, a, and the Flames were on a back to back. The Flames went and played LA first and got their asses kicked, and then went to Anaheim. And I'm like, "Oh yeah, Anaheim back to back." Anaheim had last night off. They're at home. The Flames are coming in off a of back to back. Anaheim's going to wash them. And if I would have parlayed that with the Cowboys, I'd have lost because trash Anaheim. I, like, got home from dinner and remembered. I was like, oh, let me check the hockey score. I'm going to be upset if they – I'm glad I didn't put that bet in. Anyways. um, Who planned this week? Uh, Thursday night, Redskins, Vikings, obviously. Vikings, I guess. I, I'm going to lose, so you must pick Redskins. I mean, Vikings are favored by 16, and they're at home. Fam, if I pick it, they're going to lose. No. So Vikings are going to win by 75. My, they should, but I picked them. So. Bengals, <laughs> Bengals at Rams. I'm going to go Rams, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Why are you thinking so hard about these? Bruh, I almost lost every <laughs> single game last week. <laughs> every single one. I was like, you know what? I'm not playing tapes thing anymore, right? <laughs> like, I won two in that or three. Cardinals at Saints. Come on, man, bro. The Saints game last week was the first time I thought like they looked good. The other the games, Saints, their defense looked no, good. No, stop it. The Saints are prob- huh? they're probably by far the second best team in the league. By far, are you right? Defense and or maybe not by far, not but by I far. think they're better than the 49ers. Oh yeah, yeah. Because I don't trust the 49ers yet. Oh, that's fine. Uh, um, I mean, they're undefeated, so <laughs> I'm gonna go. The Saints are the second best team in the league. I'll go Saints, but come on, man. Yo, put your money on Cardinals. B. That team is really good. Hmm? They have a guy at quarterback who's nowhere near as good as the starter, and they're dominating everyone still. Yeah, <coughs> dominating including in winning in Chicago, and I think they won easily in Chicago. I don't remember what the score was, but it ended like a closer score, but <coughs> it was an easy win. They got a few. Bro, Bears got a few cheap touchdowns at the end. Bucks at Titans. Oh, Bucks. Broncos at Colts. You didn't pick. You got to pick. Oh, all right. Uh, Vikings, Rams, Saints, obviously, of those three. Um, I'm going to go Titans. Oh, really? Non-division game there at home. I don't know. It's I mean, probably some goofy thing that happened. Who else? I got Bucks. Um, Broncos at Colts. 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 Seahawks at Falcons. Oh, Matt Ryan's out. <laughs> <laughs> that team is so bad. Their offensive line is bad. I actually watched that game because I had a, I had a bet on that game, so it was like on one of the far screen TVs, and bet I watched the game. Falcons game was crazy. Um, yes, it was the wrong bet. Let's put was it. Is it Atlanta or, or Seattle? Seattle at Atlanta. I'm gonna I'm gonna say something crazy too right now. I'm gonna go with Atlanta. If Matt Ryan plays, Atlanta loses. Oh yeah, yeah. If Matt Ryan, if Schaub plays, Atlanta wins. Here we go. I think it's gonna be something goofy like that. If Matt Ryan's out, I pick the Falcons to win. If he's in, I pick Seattle. Yeah, exactly. As goofy as that sounds, I think that's true. Eagles at Bills. This is actually an intriguing game because the Eagles season might be going down the tubes, and the Bills are like six and one or five and one or whatever. It's in Philly. No, it's in Eagles oh Buffalo at Bills. Oh Bills. 
Bills? Yeah. All right. I'm going to go with the Eagles because if they don't win this one, they're probably out. I mean, oh, no, it's over. Um, Chargers at Bears. God, I hate both teams. <laughs> Trubisky needs to be sat down. Um, yes. And a stern talking to. Cut. Uh, I don't know about all that. Uh, cut. Man, come on. Um, they were 13 and 4 last year? 3? 12 and 4. Yeah. But, I mean, I don't think that matters when you look this bad in your third season. I'll go Bears. They got to win, too. Mm. Packers and Vikings are running away uh, from them. They got to win. Hold it on a second. I got to check something real quick. Man, what? Oops. <clears throat> I don't know what that means. Almost made a mistake, fam. All right. Um, I think the Chargers continue to lose. It's tough for me to say that, but. I guess I'm going to go Bears. They're at home. It'll be colder Bears. in the season. Chargers are a warm weather team. And trash. And, and yes, they're in trash. Why are there so many 10 a.m. games this week? Good Lord. Two 1 o'clock games. Good job, NFL. They did that the other week, too. Cowboys Jet. almost had exclusive rights to, <laughs> to 1 o'clock the other week. Jets at Jags. Jags. Jags win. I guess. I mean, the QB's out there seeing ghosts, fam. I think it's <laughs> Panthers. He, he had mono, so ain't no Panther. telling what he said. <laughs> Panthers at uh, Niners. Panthers. Panthers over the Niners? I think so. Okay, I'm going to go Niners on that one. Really? Def- Panthers are what, five in, five in a row? The, their defense is really good. The Niners, <sighs> their front their front four, five, whatever. Bruh, they're really good, but they insane. haven't played nobody, Bosa, man. Bruh, Bosa's a rookie, and he's leads all defensive ends in football in pressure rate, sack rate, all those statistics. Crazy. He's really good. Um, Racist, but really good. <laughs> uh, all right, so that was Panthers at Niners. Um, Browns at Patriots. <laughs> you ain't picking the Browns. Don't even don't even think about it. Patriots for me. I don't even need to think twice about that. I hope the Patriots score fifty. Uh, like I hope. So the Patriots are gonna win. Yeah, and I think Browns coach gets fired this week. Uh, and the game of the week. This isn't the last game, by the way, but game of the week. Raiders at Texans. John Gruden's a moron. Just traded. I don't care less that he traded Conley. The fact that well, you traded to the team that you play the you, same week yeah, is you crazy. You traded a player to the team you play this week who is one half game, a half game ahead of you in the wild card race. And this is probably like a knockout game because. Psychological warfare. <laughs> I mean, it's the dumbest thing I've ever heard of in my entire life. Trading a player to a team you play that week who can give them every single call you make on the field. When you text that, I was doing something else, but when I saw it on the little ticker, on wait, what? I was like, don't they play them? Yes. I'm picking the Raiders because I've gotten to the point where I think the off the offense is like the sixth best offense in the NFL by advanced stats. The defense is awful. The defense is like 30th. But Houston's defense is bad. I mean – you think Indianapolis's run game is really good? If Jacobs plays it, Dave, Jacobs has run on everyone, and the Raiders' offensive line is really good, and Houston's secondary is bad. The Raiders have guys running free, and these are guys no one's ever heard of besides Tyrell Williams. They had players running free everywhere against Green Bay. Derek Carr made two bad decisions. He fumbled out of bounds at the one-yard line, and it went into the end zone for a touchback when they had a chance to take the lead, and he threw a pick in the end zone. If those plays don't happen, the Raiders potentially win in Lambeau. Now, woulda, coulda, shoulda, obviously. But the team is better than I thought they were going to be, and I'm going to pick them this week. 
I'm going to pick the Raiders. I thought the Raiders were going to be Green Bay. But, you know, I just hate the Texans, so that's the only reason why. So, Carr, f- this is like a minute before halftime or whatever. Carr fumbles. I don't know if you saw what happened. Fumbled saw, into the end zone. Uh, uh, touchback. And then the, the Packers immediately went 80 yards for a touchdown. Oh, you don't give them any type of 14-point swing. You could be up 17-14 at half. Instead, you're down 21-10, and they got the ball out of halftime and scored immediately. They showed a, another game where he did that. It was the identical yeah, same thing against Dallas thing. last year. Or two years ago. It was like it was amazingly against, how identical it was. against Dallas. I was like, bro, this looks like green screen. When like, I saw it crazy. happen, everyone in the room that I was with thought, like, knee was down. I said, nah, I know. It's the Raiders. <laughs> Ball was through the end zone because Carr's an idiot. <laughs> he did play well outside of those two plays. I'm, I'll give him credit. Carr is a player that needs, like, extreme support, and nobody gives him that. Uh, He still is too sketchy in the pocket sometimes when there's a complete clean pocket. Oh, yeah, he gets panicked. But... I'm just like Kyler Murray. But like, when he actually keeps his eyes up downfield, he normally finds someone wide open. I mean, he's a person that like tries to get the ball out too quick. And that means like, oh, God, I'm terrified. But I don't know. And Brissett, I told you. Didn't I say Colts playoffs? We'll see. Uh, and then I say he's good too. <clears throat> we'll see. All right. And two more games Packers and oh. Chiefs. Oh, Packers, I guess. Sunday Night Football? I guess Packers. That sucks, man. Mahomes isn't playing. And they're saying that they don't know if he's going to play until the, like this weekend. Idiots. They better not play. They better him. not play him because he injury. gets messed up long term. And I hate the Chiefs. I'm going to go Packers. I don't care if Mahomes plays or not. I hope he doesn't get re-injured because I actually like Mahomes, even though I hate the Chiefs. Like him a lot. Um, Dolphins and Steelers. Obviously, <laughs> I mean Dolphins ain't winning. I'm going Dolphins. Dolphins ain't winning. No, nah, they got to win sometime. They got to win a game. They're, they're Steelers not, aren't good. They're not winning a game this year. They're not good. They'll win a game this the year. The Steelers aren't any good, but they are off a bye, and they're at home against the worst team in the NFL, maybe the worst team of all time. Tomlin, well, no, nah, they won't do that to him. I was going to say, Tomlin might get fired during the game. Yo, the Nationals are up 6-2 to two right now. Oh, that's it. Oh, go ahead and get get your jersey. Anyways, hats are coming. We appreciate everybody listening to the podcast. Apple, appreciate Dion, appreciate Sneaker School and everybody. That's Sneak did. Bow, 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 bow. They're going to sweep them, bro. <laughs> the Nationals are going to sweep them. And then they sweep them, and I remember when when the no no what that means is put this on put this on the show by the way I know you stopped that put this on the show if they win the World Series and at least if it's a sweep or four to one or whatever the Dodgers should all collectively go in the locker room and shove things up each other's buttholes losing to that whack team in when they had a home game and they're up three nothing in the home game to advance. And obviously would have won everything easily if it's this easy. Look, that guy for CBS Sports or whoever for the Washington Post, whoever that was, who said that they're going to go all the way. Uh, we laughed. I, we talked about him on here. I was like, okay, settle down. All right. Like, calm down. And I was thinking they're going to go all the way before they even beat the Dodgers. But that's that. They sweep the Astros. They may be the greatest baseball team in the world. Because the Astros are clearly the best team in baseball all season. All season. all season, they've been the best team in baseball. No, no, no. They overtook the Dodgers like in the last like month or two of the season. But it still was close. It still was like within one game.